Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, the following podcast is about Star Wars. Look, we love Star Wars, and we know that you love Star Wars, but the reality is is that there's so much stuff about this franchise out there that we're not going to be able to cover every single detail of each and every film. We're going to miss some things. We're going to get some things wrong, but this is just a retrospective where the $20 ticket crew has a casual and open discussion. So if you're up for that, if you're up for a casual discussion and debate with some facts sprinkled in, you know, keep listening. If you want excruciating, painstaking detail, this might not be the podcast for you. Maybe you should watch some bonus features or something. Uh, either way, we hope you enjoy. The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers you've been warned no seriously they're they're spoilers and and foul language yeah welcome to 20 dollar ticket and welcome to the star wars retrospective rise of skywalker discussion uh first things first if you haven't seen the movie yet uh this episode will have spoilers the movie's been out for two weeks so you've had plenty of time to watch it Uh, if you haven't please turn this episode off and come back once you have seen it so once again spoilers Let's move on. Uh, my name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What up, Jason? Not much. How about you, Kerwin? I'm good, man. What are you drinking? Uh, Sierra Nevada Hazy IPA. And uh, also with us is Mugga. What up, Mugs? What's going on? Uh, what are you drinking today? Uh, tall Ultra. All right. Uh, also with us is TJ. What up, TJ? Hey, Kerwin. What are you drinking today? I am drinking water. Out of what? Out of a hydro flask. Oh, good choice. Yeah. Thanks. Why are you drinking water? Because I want to, motherfucker. Sober January. <laughs> New Year's resolution? No? New year, new me. I think I can make it probably one more day. I call bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, we believe in you, man. Thanks. Um, Justin's here with us today. What up, Justin? What up, Kerwin? What are you drinking? I'm also drinking some good old-fashioned water. All right. And uh, Bling's rounding out the panel. What's up? (laughs) 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 Bitch. (laughs) TJ peer pressure me to drink it. All right, uh, Bling's rounding out the panel today. What up, Bling? What's up, Karen? What are you drinking today? I'm drinking a Crystal Geyser natural spring water. Are you drinking it out of a thermo flask? No, or? not today. Uh, did you ditch it because it's I mean, obsolete? it's pretty much a thermo flask that he's <laughs> drinking it out of. Might as well be, yeah. Those things are uh, inefficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're terrible. Um, but let's uh, let's just get right to it. Um, you know, today we're talking about Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, released December twentieth, twenty nineteen, and directed by J.J. Abrams. It stars Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Anthony Daniels, Naomi Aki, Donald Gleason, Richard E. Grant, Lupita Nyong'o, Carrie Russell, Juna Sutamo, Kelly Marie Tran, Ian McDermott, Harrison Ford, and Billy D. Williams. On Rotten Tomatoes, 54% of critics liked it, giving it an average score of 6.18 out of 10. 86% of the audience liked it, giving it a 4.32 out of 5. Its budget was $275 million. Opening week, it made $177 million. Its uh, domestic gross as of January 5th, 2020, the day we're recording, is $450.7 million. As of the same date, January 5th, 2020, its total worldwide gross is $918.7 million. Um, so, you know, we're going to follow kind of a different format because this is one movie. If you guys have listened to our Avengers Endgame episode, we're going to kind of run through the plot. But before we do all that, let's go around the table and kind of talk about our experience with this movie. TJ, why don't you kick it off? So I just saw this movie two days ago. I kind of waited for the hype to die down a little bit. And uh, it was pretty good. I mean, I just went to the theater. I didn't drink because of sober January. 
uh, so I remember everything that I saw. The only thing that I would say is there was someone sitting right next to me who was chewing popcorn extremely loudly throughout the entire movie. That was very distracting to me. I was pretty pissed. What a dick. What a dick. Like, bro, chew with your mouth closed. All right, Muggs, what's your experience with this movie? I was the guy next to TJ chewing the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had bought tickets with you guys to do the opening night, but because um, of work, I wasn't able to go. And then with the holidays and all that, I actually went with Jason. Jason saw it his second time, I think, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, it was nothing memorable about it. It wasn't like, it was the, the first Star Wars I think I've seen in theaters where there was not really fan reaction. I think like the buzz had died down. You didn't have the true fans. There was no like applause or yelling. It was just kind of like, oh, great movie. And then they yeah. left. Yeah, so. Yeah, I think that's pretty typical. Every Star Wars film. I've that- been to like an opening night or where something everyone where everyone claps at the claps end or you, you, when like the, the hero does something you yeah. get like some sort of applause you know it, it didn't happen on this one for me but yeah but it was it was fine uh, Jason what was your experience so I went with you guys um, opening night nothing real crazy happened uh, we did sit in the third row which personally makes it tough for me to focus on the movie because I feel like the screen's so big and I have to move my head around mm-hmm. uh, to see everything. Plus, I had to keep nudging Elizabeth to wake up. Um, <laughs> she fell asleep multiple times during the movie, so that was a little distracting. But uh, kind of like what you were talking about, Muggs, like at least the people sitting directly behind where I was sitting, like it, they were like cheering and like ooing and aahing really, really audible. Like you could hear it a lot. I mean, it kind of fit that Star Wars opening night kind of movie feel. It was a good experience. Uh, and then, of course, walking out, Kerwin and I... <laughs> Um, uh, rating on the movie differed heavily, so I, that was kind of embarrassing. Up, to can be I bring honest. up something though <laughs> about the, him and Blink? I think Gus took my ticket, right? Was it oh, my yeah. ticket? Yeah, I'm trying to block that out. Yeah, thank you for bringing the that Gus back experience. up. <laughs> so, uh, in addition to waking Elizabeth up uh, multiple times, <laughs> Gus is there. Who's not a Star Wars fan? Right? Definitely <laughs> not a Star Wars fan. And so Gus is sitting and very inquisitive. <laughs> Yeah, he asks a lot of questions, but he's he he's sitting in between Bling and I, and it's like like a tennis match. He's going back and forth, and it's like, hey, so who's that? Oh, what's what's going on? Oh, and what's, he going gets, on? what's happening? What's happening? And he gets up and I goes. Thought he get, died. He gets food and another beer and stuff like that. And I'm like, I think you've had enough. Yeah. And he just keeps. He just keeps asking these questions, and all of a sudden, it's just like Ray comes on, and he's like, she's hot, and I'm like, dude, like. Like right in my ear, and it's it's just it was constant. So it was like, Bling was able to tune him out. And I so tuned like, him out after the second, like after the second round of questioning. I'm like, like so like he just gave up on Bling, and it's just me. And like for a while, I answered all the questions, and I was like trying to be quiet. And I'm like, hey, this is what's going on. This is that, and like to the best of my ability. And then I just quickly gave it. I just kept staring at the screen, like acting like he was invisible because I was like, dude, you are fucking killing me right now. Um, so that was bad. And then. Uh, but yeah, overall, it was, it was it was a good experience. Nothing crazy. And then Muggs and I, I went and watched it a second time with Muggs. And yeah, it was it was a different experience because it wasn't opening night, so like no one was like cheering or or anything like that. But it was a uh, nothing too crazy except for Gus. Uh, opening night Thursday, I went with you guys. Um, I mean, it was cool. You know, bought the tickets. I think the tickets randomly came out on like a Monday in the afternoon. Like they just tweeted it out. It wasn't like Endgame where like you were waiting for the tickets to go on sale. It was kind of like, oh, hey, they're on sale. (laughs) Kind of unceremoniously. So, you know, bought the tickets, hit you guys up. You know, the same crew that uh, went to go see Endgame. So we met up at um, Dave & Buster's beforehand. You know, had a couple beers. Kind of going into it. I felt like um, the mood was kind of overall like kind of just hesitant, if if you want to say that. I feel like there wasn't as much hype as I had seen uh, going into Force Awakens. Rogue One or uh, Last Jedi. 
you know, it kind of felt like the solo release, but a little better where it's just kind of like, uh, we're here to see a movie and that's about it. It didn't feel like Star Wars opening night. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like how you guys described. Really? I mean, yeah, it was still hype. There were still people cheering in the audience and all that, but it kind of felt lukewarm overall. Oh, I see what you did there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's warm because he's from Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> but we saw the movie. We walked out. Initially, I walked out and I thought it was one of the worst things I'd ever seen, but we'll get into that during the review. Um, I took my mom to see it the next day. Like, she was watching all the movies on Disney Plus or whatever, trying to get ready for the movie. So I took her the next day. I liked it a little better the second time, but I still had a lot of problems. And then um, yesterday morning, I went to the theater to take notes for today's episode, uh, like at 10 in the morning or whatever. I went to go see like a morning showing, took notes in the theater, just kind of watching it. I just appreciated it for what it was. I like it a lot more now, but I still have a lot of issues with it that we'll get into. Um, But that's kind of been my experience. Uh, Justin, what about you? Uh, Same went with you guys to the premiere. I very much enjoyed it watching it uh, in the theater. Uh, Like you said, just kind of in hindsight, more problems. Uh, We'll get into it individually, though, as a movie. That was just fine. Fun ride. And just like all of them, you almost take it for granted. It looks gorgeous. looks amazing. I was sitting between uh, Dominic and your sis, so pretty good neighbors there. One weird thing that did happen was that there were some mystery nachos that got passed down that I don't know where they came from. Uh, Dom just hands them to me, and he's like, do you want them? I was like, do I want these? He's like, So, so it's yeah. like the collection play at church? Yeah, he's just, just, he's <laughs> like, yeah, they don't want them. I was like, okay, so you know, I'm good. I just ate, and then uh, Kerwin and his sister are right next to me, so I was like, you guys want? And then she's like, oh yeah, so they take a couple. And then they give it back to me, and I'm just sitting there holding it. <laughs> <laughs> and then his sister, sister looks at me like, aren't you going to? I was like, no, they said that Dominic told me they didn't want them. She's like, oh, well, give them here. <laughs> so they're going ham on him. And then like maybe five minutes later, Dom comes to me, and he's like, oh, they want them back. <laughs> I was like, I guess they were just passing them down to be nice, as opposed I was told nobody wanted them. <laughs> well, I'll take that. Um, so what happened was, Gus, this is one of the times <laughs> Gus got oh, up. God. I should have known. And he went and got nachos, and he sat down. I want to say one or two chips. That was it. And he's like, oh, do you want some? And I was like, no, you know what? No, I'm okay. Like, I already ate. And so he's like, well, pass them down. See if anyone wants them. And I'm like, you're sure you want to do this? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Just So I pass them down. Liz was like, nah, keep passing them down. And then he just starts leaning out of his chair and looking down the aisle to everyone. And he's like, he's like, where are my nachos? I was like, you thought you were getting these back. And he's like, well, yeah. Like, I just want to see if anyone wanted any. And I was like... We're like every movie. We're like thirteen people deep, and he thinks he's gonna get his food back. (laughs) And so, like, he's like, "Well, can you can you ask him to get it back?" And I'm like, "Now you want me to pass this message down?" And he's like, "Well, yeah, just I send him back, you know." And that's where that happened. That telephone game all the way down. So yeah, yeah, because closure on that. Yeah, closure than I got in the last Star Wars episode. (laughs) Yeah, my sister and I were at the end of the row, so like we're just like, "Oh, we don't know whose these are." We thought somebody was just being like charitable and shit. So we just started like snacking away on these things and then like they disappeared because I was under the impression that somebody was just being nice and said yo here's some nachos for you guys but I don't know that was my initial impression too I'm like okay he fully intends not to see these ever again like okay you're gonna send into the darkness and like just down the aisle and then it's like hey he's nudging me he's like hey gonna get those nachos back (laughs) what the fuck do you want me to do right now so Justin the nachos were nachos they were not (laughs) all right bling uh what's your experience so I, I went and saw it with you guys opening weekend so um uh, yeah, it was a definitely a diff- it felt like a different atmosphere. Even in the lobby before the movie, we were talking about it and kind of what our expectations were. And like, eh, we're here to see it. And it was not like, oh, I'm pumped to see this. I want to see how it all ends. It was kind of like, eh, 
we, we have to see it. We've already invested in two previous movies, so we got to see this movie. But that was pretty much before the movie. And then, to Jason's point, I had the luxury of sitting next to Gus, and he was just relentless with the questioning, like, who's that? What's happening? Did he die? Who? I thought he died. Darth Vader was in this one. Yeah, he, he was asking all these questions. And, like, the second round of questioning, I just zoned him out. And I didn't know, I thought he was just bugging me. And then I looked at Jason at the end of the movie. He had like a death, like, the, okay. like just the face of like disdain on his face. I'm like, oh, he was bugging you too? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, shit. This is um, my life. The day after you guys went, I was trying to watch The Report, which is an Amazon Prime movie yeah. uh, starring Adam Driver. And the first thing Gus did, walks in in the middle of the movie, sits down and says, why is Darth Vader in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is my, this is my life, yeah. you guys. I felt your pain then. I was like, okay, this is what TJ's talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as the movie itself, I enjoyed it um, with a bunch of asterisks, put it that way. And we'll go into that in my review. But it, like I said, for the, for the one time I saw it, I enjoyed it. All right. So before we kind of get into the movie, uh, we just got to talk about uh, one or two things behind the scenes. So J.J. Abrams directed this movie, right? But he was not the original director. Um, Colin Trevorrow, uh, who directed um, Jurassic World and uh, Book of Henry and some other movies, I think. The Jurassic World or the second one? The first one. Okay, good. Yeah, he didn't direct the second one. That one's bad. I hate that one. Yeah, the movie sucks. Uh, in 2015, Colin Trevorrow was announced as the writer and director for episode nine at D23. On September 5th, 2017, uh, Lucasfilm released a statement saying that Trevorrow would step down from episode nine, citing creative differences. So this is before The Last Jedi had even come out. His firing came a little while after his poorly reviewed film, The Book of Henry, was released. So um, that movie got critically panned nobody went to go see it audiences didn't like it and some people kind of think that that was one of the reasons why he was taken off of this project um, according to a 2018 Collider article, Kathleen Kennedy was unhappy with the scripts Trevor was turning in, so they let him go. Uh, on his experience of being fired from episode nine, Trevor says, quote, I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want it to affect the way that fans get to see these films. Uh, when we were kids, these movies came to us from far, far away. They were a gift. And the more we talk about how they're made, the more it reveals that they're just movies. But they're not just movies. They're more than that. Beyond that, I got the opportunity to tell a story that is a celebration of everything I believe in. I got to tell it to George Lucas and I got to tell it to Luke Skywalker, you know, Mark Hamill. And those are experiences I will cherish for the rest of my life. So he was let go from that project in September 2017, which brings us to J.J. Abrams. So we all talked about how uh, during The Force Awakens that J.J. Abrams was only signed on to do one film, right? And two directors were going to take over. So on September 12th, about a week after Trevor was fired, Lucasfilm announced that J.J. Abrams would be returning to direct uh, episode nine and close out the trilogy. At one point, Lucasfilm considered bringing back Ryan Johnson to do nine, but I think he declined. Um, This movie was originally supposed to come out May 2019, but was pushed back most likely because of Carrie Fisher's passing and how that would affect the trilogy overall. So Carrie's brother, Todd Fisher, uh, he confirmed in an interview uh, with Yahoo that Leia was actually going to be a central character in episode nine and that that was going to be a huge payoff with the character. But because of her death, you know, we never got to see that. She was supposed to have a major confrontation with Kylo Ren face to face in episode nine. And I don't know if that was going to be a climax or whatever, but that was supposed to happen in this movie. So, you know, the way the movies are structured, Han Solo, 
Force Awakens, Luke, Last Jedi, then it would have been Leia, Rise of Skywalker. Like each character would have gotten their focus of the original trio. According to a 2016 Insurance Insider article, uh, Disney apparently took out a $50 million uh, contingency claim after Carrie Fisher died. Um, I guess it was a contract protection measure in case Carrie Fisher was unable to fulfill her obligations to be in the sequel trilogy. You know, we talk about her you know, her drug use and all that other stuff. And I think they might've taken out this policy just in case that kind of interfered with her being in the films. Um, so they did take out $50 million from that. Going back to JJ Abrams, um, he said that they had about eight minutes of footage from The Force Awakens uh, that they could use in this movie. And they analyzed every frame of it in order to include her in Rise of Skywalker. Um, Chris Terrio, the writer, came in to write this project and you know help out JJ. Um, previous movies he'd worked on were Argo, uh, Justice League and Batman v Superman. So those are the those are some of the movies he's worked on previously. Two things he wanted to address in this movie were who is Ray from a practical sense and as well as a character, as well as just how strong is the Force and what is the Force basically like what is it capable of all that other stuff. Um, JJ said that they actually met and consulted with George Lucas about the movie before they even wrote it. So George Lucas was involved in the development process of this movie. Um, I would maybe say more so than The Force Awakens. And considering the, uh, the response to Last Jedi and the box office results of Solo, I kind of felt like that might have just been like, hey, we got to figure out how to write the ship, potentially. Um, the extent to which George was involved, I'm not particularly sure. I couldn't find anything on that, but George Lucas was consulted uh, prior to the writing of this movie. I want to go back. That Carrie Fisher thing. So all of the stuff you see is actual footage. There's not one CGI that they did for her to make the story line up even better. I mean, that's kind of crazy. In Rogue One, the younger version of her, that's all CGI, right? That's yeah. another actress with her face CGI'd on it. So they, they didn't do that at all in this movie? So I would say that most of what you see, I would say 90% of what you see is from The Force Awakens. You know, I, was, I, was, I know she had passed away before this movie was made. I'm kind of looking every time. And I was like, man, this is like a real person. And so it, it, a lot of this yeah, footage you're seeing is real footage from <laughs> The Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah that's, they like rotoscoped her out of the scenes that they had already filmed and put her into the scenes for The Rise of Skywalker. Damn, and they made it all work with the story and everything. That's pretty Yeah, yeah. that's why they had to like The one big it. thing that I heard that they did do was her uh, death scene. That was, uh, they used a little more tricks on that one uh, when she was laying down, making yeah. her message out to, uh, to Ben. Yeah, like when you see the silhouette. I think right. I think certain scenes where you don't see her face, they probably use the body double. For sure, there's but, a stand-in, yeah. Yeah, but anything that's front-facing with dialogue, that's her. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In The Force Awakens, they were already going to have Leia training Ray for the way that was set up since that was the scrapped footage? No. So all everything uh, you see is just random dialogue that they fit the plot around. They really fit that together well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I will I will give this movie a lot of credit on that front. Like, they, they made that work to the best of their ability, and it's not too bad. It's a little distracting, but it is, it's not awful. It's not bad. Uh, I could be wrong about this, but I also think that in The Last Jedi, she also says... Don't ever underestimate a droid or something like that, where it's like they reuse that exact line in The Rise of Skywalker. Did I they? think. I think. Mm. I can't remember. Do you want to go back and watch The Last Jedi to find out? I didn't think it was that bad, so I wouldn't mind. Well, I'm cutting that out, so. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get right into the movie. Um, right off the bat, they don't waste any time trying to explain shit. The first words are uh, in the opening crawl the dead speak! Exclamation point. And Palpatine is back. And, um, you know, he's released a mysterious broadcast uh, heard across the galaxy. And we don't get to see that in this movie. But if you play Fortnite, you did get to hear the message. And it goes like this. 
at last the work of generations is complete. The great error is corrected. The day of victory is at hand. The day of revenge. The day of the Sith. And that's pretty much the broadcast that went out to the galaxy that we don't get to see in this film. But um, if you're a Fortnite player, I guess you got to do some cool interactive thing with Lucasfilm or whatever during the gameplay. And you got to, you know, see scenes before they dropped. You got to hear audio from the film, etc. So that was one of the things that they put in the game. Does did anyone you? play Fortnite here? No, but, Fuck I, no. but I, I did see footage of it on Twitter. Oh, did you? Yeah. And it, like they had this guy just kind of looking around and you see like TIE fighters and the Millennium Falcon flying all around and doing like it, it was like a couple minutes long. I thought it was pretty cool, but I didn't know they released um Palpatine saying that it's interesting. It's it's interesting though that like the first time I heard about that was when I was researching for this movie. I don't know when that happened in Fortnite, but it's interesting that I wouldn't that we wouldn't have heard about that when it happened. Do you know when it happened? I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's the fall of this year, so between October all the way up to and December, why, maybe. Why Fortnite? Is it because they're trying to get that younger audience to like latch on to Star Wars? Or I think one Fortnite, because like the numbers would be insane. Like millions of people right. play that game. I think it's still what the most popular online game yeah. at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah it's like one of the highest views on Twitch regularly. Yeah, so um, you know, just the publicity, the the easy reach that you can get from it from a marketing perspective, and yeah, you know, the younger audience, a lot of them play it. So and if, and they've done it in the past. I know when Endgame came out, I think you, there was they did something with Marvel as well where you could play Thanos so mm -hmm. it was one of those things like that they're using that as a medium to promote their movies now it's like the new McDonald's like yeah. instead of Happy Meals like you get Fortnite skins and stuff yeah. like that yeah. yeah I think it's more for um, the younger people as well as people that may not be in the Star Wars fold to kind of make them aware I guess I guess one issue I would have with that is don't you think that should be something that's in the movie? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can't just bring him back like that without I, an explanation. Well, I don't know that what he says, that broadcast explains how he's back. It doesn't back. explain it, just, it, but... We've talked about this in, in previous podcasts. A lot of these opening crawls skip over a lot of stuff. They don't show you a lot of stuff. They just tell you, they drop you right into the middle of what's happening. And that's been true with almost every one of these movies and in, in all nine of them. Hmm. So to me, this seemed par for course. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I feel, do you feel like there's some ambiguities? Like, forgive me, I only saw it once. Maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention. Did we confirm if he was a clone or if he had survived the fall? Because I was assuming he was a clone, and then I saw some other, you know, post-online videos saying that he had survived. He had survived. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, so I was wrong in that assumption. Yeah. Um, and as far as revealing how he survived, uh, one of the editors for the movie actually said that, um, I don't know if they'd filmed that or wrote it, but the editor's name is uh, Marianne Brandon, and um, she said that there was supposed to be uh, an explanation for how Palpatine survived after the Death Star 2 blew up, but it was cut from the film. So, you know, they did plan that out, but I guess they thought it'd be too distracting or it would take too much time or maybe Disney decided to remove it. I don't really, I don't really know. The article's right in front of me, but we're on time, so. Because yeah. well, Palpatine coming back is something that they've done in the comics before. Um, and As I a think clone. in those, he was a clone, yeah. Yeah, which, yeah. which makes things come full circle because you had the clone army, right? Right, and it is kind of cool them uh, reaching into, you know, sort of, I guess now closed off, uh, parts of the zeitgeist of the previous Star Wars universe um, to kind of get some inspiration from, if you will. 
Yeah, like um, the more mystical side of things. Right, but it very much fits having Palpatine again and uh, his explanation and everything he's been up to, but it just feels very phoned in, very... It doesn't feel like organic, like this is where it was going from the bat, right off the bat. Like, again, maybe because we're only hearing about it in the third movie. It doesn't feel like a trilogy is what you're Right, because yeah. it doesn't feel like a true villain or like a true... It was always going this direction. It just feels like, how can I wrap this up in a meaningful way? You could definitely feel the vibe like this wasn't planned from the beginning. Like, you know, you have to have a big evil because you killed off Snoke in the previous film so let's bring back the Emperor so but you could tell the vibe felt like this wasn't planned out from like the very beginning so I don't think it was even the actor who plays Palpatine Palpatine Mm -hmm. had said that um, after the sixth movie he asked George Lucas like okay is this is this it am I like really dead and George was like oh yeah like you're dead so George Lucas confirmed it whether this was planned at the beginning of the Disney era I have no idea but for sure when George was finished with this saga Palpatine was gone. But Jason, didn't you say that your brother-in-law, who's like a huge Star Wars fan, read that they had like five different storylines they were going to go to and they picked this one? Well, he specifically said that there was like six different endings to the movie that they were playing with, but they said that the Palpatine thing was definitely an afterthought. What's the actor's name again? Ian Ian McDermott. Yeah, he was like, he got a phone call randomly and like, like, oh, do you want to play Palpatine again? And he's like, sure. Yeah, it was... I don't know how that's possible. (laughs) Yeah, so it was like, it... Just from those few things, it definitely feels like it was not the original plan at all. You know, we're going to talk a lot about The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi in this movie, but you're handcuffed by two things. One, Carrie Fisher dying. That's a big hit to this movie, so you can't do a lot of the things that you wanted to do. And then two, a lot of the decisions that were made in The Last Jedi. So um, you kill Snoke, right? Snoke could have had the potential to be your big bad guy. But at the end of Last Jedi, we're left with Kylo Ren as the big bad guy. You know, there's no, there's no redeeming him. There's no going back, you know, according to the end of that film. Like, he's fully willing to be the bad guy by the end of that movie, right? But I think that this movie is handcuffed into choosing Palpatine as the bad guy because they want to, and we'll talk about this as we go through the plot, they want to bring Kylo Ren back to the light side. You can't make Kylo Ren the big bad guy of this movie if you want him to return to the to the light side because in order for him to return to the light side, one, we have to know what his end game is, and then two, and this is an if, like there has to be a larger evil for him to turn yeah. to the light against. If your goal is to have Kylo Ren become Ben Solo again, you have to introduce another bad guy. And this movie, you know, with one movie left, you don't have enough time to introduce a third bad guy when you've already killed Snoke, which is kind of unfortunate. So I feel like, hey, if the plan's to turn Kylo Ren good again, we got to bring back somebody we know, somebody that we can just throw in there. And See, I feel like that was the wrong decision. I feel like he was a much more intriguing character, not necessarily going to the ways of the malevolent Sith, but like just coming back or being redeemed, I felt it was just too phoned in. Like I would have loved to see him struggle finding his own way as the big bad guy, if you will. Like yeah. maybe a gray force sort of uh, alignment or something. But it's probably the in hindsight, maybe the best thing that the Ryan Johnson did, movies did set up was all his speech, his mentality, his uh, way of viewing the world or viewing the force. It was probably the most intriguing thing about that and potentially the character. Yeah, and we talked about this during our last Disney episode. Like, I think for the most part, I think most of us agreed that Kylo Ren's story is the most interesting. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, now we have this guy who's the grandson of, you know, Vader. He's Luke's nephew. He's Han Solo and Leia's son. And he's our main antagonist going forward. Mm -hmm. Like, you kind of want to see where that goes. And I kind of feel like you probably undo one of the best things about that movie, you know, by doing this so soon, I guess. Mm -hmm. But. 
but back to Palpatine's message, uh, you know, it's heard throughout the galaxy. Kylo Ren hears it. So he goes off in search of Palpatine. And according to the uh, opening crawl, because he wants to kind of destroy any threat to his power. You know, he's the supreme leader of the First Order now. So the first planet we get to is Mustafar. This is the third time we're seeing Mustafar in the Star Wars movies. You know, first time was at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Second time was in Rogue One when Krennic goes to Darth Vader's castle. And now Kylo Ren is back on Mustafar to go find the Sith Wayfinder. How do you guys feel about Mustafar being featured? Because I feel like it's a little brief and you would never know it was Mustafar if you didn't read up on it, at least in my case. I liked how it was kind of a whole opening scene after the crawl was like kind of a montage of like stuff going on. I think it was, if I recall, it was like Mustafar and then there was, I think it was uh, training with, Le- was that, or was that further along? Yeah, it was Mustafar and then Kylo Ren going to see Palpatine. Okay. That's but, the first thing that but happens. But it was like a montage. It wasn't, it was not really a flashback. It kind of it was just showing. quickly moving Yeah, it was moving story, forward. Yeah. So it was like, okay, here's what's going on to kind of catch up to speed. And it was done, I think, in a way that it was, it didn't drag on. I think that was the biggest complaint I had with, with The Last Jedi was everything kind of dragged on and just felt like it was okay. It was kind of to the point what's going on. It was literally also, reminiscent of the opening scroll. Yeah. It was like scenes of an opening scroll of what's yeah. been going on. Yeah. I also think like you have to go back there, like the birthplace of, of Vader, really. Where else would he hide? his wayfinder you know like it's going to be there so i feel like you have to go there for kylo ren to find this compass that will lead him to palpatine you know when we talk about the significance of it being darth vader's castle or residence do you think this movie could have benefited from spending a little more time there because we know from episode seven that he has this obsession with Darth Vader. Snoke has this obsession with Darth Vader. When we talk to Palpatine, you know, he talks about Darth Vader. Like we're talking about Darth Vader so fucking much. And when we finally get to a point in the plot, like the physical plot that deals directly with Darth Vader, we spend zero time there, like 30 seconds or less there. Yeah, I still like that they went there though. Yeah, I like that they went there, but... What else do you need to know? Okay, one thing I would like to know is what the fuck is everybody's obsession in this world with Darth Vader? I really don't get it either because ultimately he betrayed the Empire. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I you would. Know? I would like to know because I can understand Ben going dark based on what Luke did to him in the last movie. But what I can't understand is Snoke's obsession with Darth Vader. Snoke turns out to just be a puppet of the Emperor. So what is the Emperor's obsession with Darth Vader? I understand Darth Vader betrayed you, but isn't that the way of the Sith? Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what we've been taught since episode yeah. one or whatever? So like you're at Darth Vader's home planet now, like his residence, his castle or wherever the fuck you are. If you're going to address that, now is the time to address that shit and get it over with because we got a whole lot of movie to get to because we even see he still has the Darth Vader helmet in his shrine, right. yeah. which is funny because last movie he said, fuck the Sith, but he still has the helmet in a little shrine. So what the fuck? This is the time to explain it, in my opinion. Because yeah. that's an interesting thing with Kylo between, and we'll probably get into this more, but between these two movies is this feels more like a direct sequel to Force Awakens as opposed to uh, The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Especially with Kylo as a person, his struggle to be pulled back to the light but trying to go dark, you could very much see that in Force Awakens. It makes more sense where his character ended up now if you skip Last Jedi and everything he said and just go straight into this movie. Then it makes more motivation as he's a character who's always supposed to be good but struggled with the darkness or as opposed to somebody trying to find his own way. See, um, I got that in The Last Jedi though because after he and Rey kill um, Snoke, Snoke mm. you know, he's like, we can leave all this. Like, I think he's ready to leave the light and the dark side and live in the in-between. But that's what I'm talking to. He's not He's not looking for a redemption to come back to the light. He's looking to find his own way in between. Yeah. Whereas this is just a pull back to the light, back to the light yeah. of the force. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah we, and that's we, what we I like, did find more interesting was, let's explore that. Where could that go? Because there's so many possibilities. 
yeah, something like we, we haven't seen before. And I think this movie makes the same mistakes that The Last Jedi did in certain places. Kylo Ren is he's 100% dark by the end of that movie. At least he's not a Sith, but he's dark side by the end of that movie. And in this movie, we've brought him all the way back to the first movie. You know what I'm saying? And it just kind of feels like all that progression, probably the most solid progression in that whole last movie, is undone. Yeah. At least in my opinion. I mean, I feel like the same thing is done with Darth Vader, though. Like, we spent four movies, five movies, like, of him becoming evil, being evil, doing evil things, and it's all undone in the last 30 minutes of the sixth movie. You know what I mean? But see, Vader's always felt like that struggle, that back and forth. Like, he wants to be good, but he's too drawn to power. That's a really flushed out Invader's story of that struggle between inherently born evil, trying to be good, inherently born good, trying to be evil, you know, right. vice versa. Do you think in the old trilogy he fights it going back and forth? I don't think I, so. I, I don't think... think I, know, okay. I, know, I know in the, uh, the, the prequel trilogy, mm -hmm. you can clearly see it because he's not Vader yet, he's Anakin, right. but I don't know about the, but the see old that, trilogy. But that's I mean, what I'm... That's what I'm well, no, that's what I'm talking... Okay, so original three, he's, he's the big bad, he's right. evil, and there's one more higher than him, but, you know, he's flushed out as full force villain, and we love him, he's imposing, he's the perfect mm -hmm. villain, but... Looking at his story fully, especially in the trilogy, is he is of that born of the light, a fall from grace character. And that's what I'm saying. You don't need to do that with Ren because we've already fleshed that out yeah. with Vader. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, and again, his dialogue in The Last Jedi is destroy the past, kill it if you have to. Let's let go. Like, right. Ray, I'm not asking you to join the dark side with me. I'm just asking you to run away with me and let's figure things out. Like, let's start our own empire, yeah. our own whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we fleshed this out with Vader where it was always black and white. It's always right. just the two. There was never any. It I, was just, always, want, I just want right. power. It doesn't have to be the Sith right. or I'm going to be on the Jedi Council or I'm going to serve Palpatine I'm going to find the highest seat I'm the ch chosen child that's been fleshed out as a black and white character I don't need to do that again with Kylo yeah um, I think the difference between Anakin and Ben Solo is that the motivations are clear like with Anakin, he wants to save people, and in his quest to do good, he unfortunately, you know, fell to the dark side because right. he felt that he had to do bad things in order to save his wife. And then, bringing the thing full circle with family, he has the opportunity to reconnect with, you know, his humanity via his son Luke, and also finding out that he has a daughter Leia. Finding that his son is alive, having contact with him, that kind of brings him back but his motivations were always to save family. And now he has that opportunity again with Luke. With Kylo, he was betrayed by his uncle and he started down the dark path. He killed Snoke because he didn't like all these expectations being heaped upon him. But these are also expectations that Kylo heaped upon himself. So what I wanna know, and this is the fault of The Force Awakens and Last Jedi, why the fuck is everybody obsessed with Darth Vader? Because right. at least with Anakin, he had motive to do everything that he was doing. Even when he's Darth Vader, it's peace through order. And sometimes with order comes violence. And that's his mentality. With Kylo Ren, like he's not fighting to, to bring order. He's fighting to disrupt it because he's tearing down everything that his family had built in the New Republic. You know, he kills Snoke and now he's the supreme leader to what end? You know, and he still has that stupid Darth Vader mask in his in his fucking dorm room, just chilling <laughs> by the third movie, even though in the last movie he said he was ready to throw away the Sith, trying to bring this full circle to, you know, us talking about the plot. I feel like if there was at any time in this trilogy to address everybody's obsession with Darth Vader, it's here. Yeah. Otherwise, this could have been on any planet and it could have been like any Sith temple. 
and we can just right. move on. But I think when you specifically choose this planet, you kind of have a responsibility to the story and the narrative to explain some shit. Because to this day, I can't tell you why this man's obsessed with his grandpa right. at all. And honestly, if we take a step back, it's probably just fan service because people love Vader. Yeah, people, and like I love it's Vader. One I love way seeing, to put him in. The yeah. right. Like anything having to do with Vader is yes, I'm on board 100. percent And in the grander scheme of things, this whole movie, there's just it's show, shoehorned in again, just fan service. You know, yeah, it's, con- of, it's constant. Yeah, yeah, it feels like he's trying to find a boat with this movie, and so a lot of fan service is done for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that whole Vader mask looked cool in the trailer, but don't work in the movie. Yeah. Um, so he gets the Sith Wayfinder, and then he, you know, goes through hyperspace, and he goes to the Sith planet called Exegol. Yeah, Exegol, that's yeah. such a cool name. It's the worst <laughs> planet name I've ever heard. <laughs> in Why couldn't they have made this on Camino? I mean, they have similarities, right? Just the ocean planet. I thought that would have been kind of cool, but... If Palpatine was a clone, cool. and you saw them making right. Snoke we know clones, Snoke was a, yeah. and everything was underneath, I, I think that would have been cool. That's I, don't, I was thinking that's about a good it when point. I saw Yeah, that would have been dope. They yeah. could have been in like the shattered sort of clone yeah. uh, facility or something. That would have been sick. Yeah, two planets they could have gone to. Camino, like you said, Muggs, which is a great suggestion considering how he's still alive and all that other shit and then also you know anybody that like reads or watches the expanded universe material Korriban or Moriban like Mm -hmm. the Sith ancient planet yeah Yeah. like where the Sith come from Um, like that is where you should put this but you know they don't have their story group shit tied together so they just make Exicle, which sounds like a very disgusting ice pop. Exicle. <laughs> it's uh, E X O. It's E X O G O L. I think Exicle. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like breakfast dessert. <laughs> it's it's just not good. I don't know. But he goes to Exicle, um, and I think this is the thing that I talked about with either you, Jason, or somebody else. But maybe I was hanging out with my Alicia and Louise. Shout out to those guys. But. Um, why the fuck does everybody in Star Wars park so far away? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, my man has to walk like a mile and a half to go inside. Like, it's like parking across the freeway to walk into Target. Like, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, he did it for that shot so he could put all his lightsaber. That's true, yes. <laughs> so, um, he goes into the Sith Temple, a little floating fortress or whatever, walks underneath it, which looks really cool. Um, if anybody's seen the uh, Star Wars Rebels um, animated series, there's a scene where Darth Vader fights Ahsoka and they're in this Sith temple that kind of floats in a similar manner. So I thought that was cool. Um, and then he kind of takes the, you know, the little elevator down to, you know, the uh, catacombs of this Sith temple with these giant statues. And, you know, the emperor's voice creeps up and he's just kind of like, you know, long have I waited. Um, I forget the rest of his dialogue, but uh, the emperor is telling Kylo Ren, you know, I've been every voice you've heard inside your head using Snoke's voice and Vader's voice fan service with mm-hmm. the little breathing thing too. Mm-hmm. And then the Emperor says, Snoke trained you well. And then Kylo Ren says, I killed Snoke, I'll kill you. And the Emperor says, I've died before. The dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities that some consider to be unnatural. <laughs> so how do you feel about that being dropped in? I don't mind it. I feel like it was unsatisfying. The whole speech, he was just like, I'm what's really been going. It was like you were supposed to sit there and go, Oh, that's what's been happening. Like, you know, that's the whole explanation. It's been me the whole time. (laughs) And then you see the vat of like Snoke's. Right. I was just like, Okay. Like this is this is like an info dump on every level. It's like right. uh, it's dialogue and visuals. It's like you're walking through a montage and like shit is just posted up to explain to you from like left to right. You're supposed to read it as far as this is how it's happened. 
Um, we talk about, you know, Star Wars movies dropping you right into the action, like you said, TJ, which is one of the things that I do appreciate. And that's one of the benefits of having an opening crawl is that you can just explain all that shit. But I think that this might have worked better. L- let's just be real. Like you said, Justin, if they just if they plan this out from the beginning, mm-hmm. like if we had some reason to believe that the Emperor was alive by the end of Force Awakens or Last Jedi, I could buy this quick explanation, but you know that was never the plan. So, right. so it just feels it feels like crap together. And because like I was, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've come to find about myself, and I think most people would agree. Like I love cliffhangers. Like I love ending like on a high point of a story. Um, you know, again, what was so great about uh, Force Awakens is it just left you with so many questions. Like she, she was literally handing Luke the saber. Like it's just like ah, that's where it ends. What happens next? Like it just leaves you wanting more, and it's just like a great feeling because it has so much potential at that point. Yeah. There was no real cliffhanger for um, Last Jedi, anything like that. I mean, you know? if they had planned it out, I mean, they, right, it would have been cool they, if, like, the Emperor was talking to Kylo Ren, like, at the end of The Last Jedi and set it up, like, okay, that's what's happening right. to happen. Yeah, because this wasn't answering any question that was set up previously. Yeah. And I think that goes all the way back to Force Awakens and, you know, and Last Jedi, too. But I think this goes all the way back to Force Awakens. They didn't have a clear vision of who, well, who yeah. the overarching even, bad guy was. Even if, like, Snoke had had some commentary in talking to Kylo Ren, I, I can see like how you guys would like a little bit more lead into this. For me, it worked as a very casual and very new Star Wars fan. For me, I, I like bought it hook, line, and sinker, but I can see why like just jumping out of the blue would be frustrating for some diehards. Oh no, and it 100% fits. Like it makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It's and just- for me, I, I kind of like liken this last film to Endgame. You know, we talk about like fan service and we talk and like, you know, that like final shot of like everyone coming in, right. you know, at the last minute, it, you know, it just kind of reminded me a lot of Endgame. And throughout all Marvel movies, you know, Thanos was really kind of the we were all leading up to Thanos. Right. Like, we always knew that that was well, you guys always knew I didn't. But you guys <laughs> always knew that that was the end game. <laughs> and um, oh, hey-o. And, uh, and so I guess, you know, I and so I can appreciate that. But for me, it seemed like, okay, it makes sense that Palpatine would still be alive and that he'd be pulling the strings this whole time because he is the villain from beginning to end now. Like, he is the one who we're all leading up to, I guess. I think ultimately the most inherent problem with all these is that if you look at this now new trilogy as a whole it's just redoing everything that we had gotten closure from in the original it's trilogy. It's a carbon yeah. copy of, right. of yeah. what we've already seen. Right, yeah. like the Empire that we defeated in the first one is back. Uh, even the end scene, they have like a reminiscent everybody celebrating just like in yeah. uh, Return of the Jedi. Or the you Emperor have a villain defeated, that but, turned to good. Right, the Emperor yeah. was defeated but we've already defeated him before. Again, we've had, yeah. we all our, everything we have is like the closure we already got and we really didn't need it. They've undone a lot of the perfectly wrapped up closure that we had gotten right. prior and it just feels like you can't open up that box again if you ain't got no tape to close it back up yeah. and these guys can't find the fucking tape. I do find it kind of repetitive but to be honest I feel like all of these movies are a little bit repetitive Um, there are certain themes and there are certain um, plot sequences that happen over and over and over again and that to me is like super super clear in all of these movies um, in all nine of them so for me it didn't seem so out of place that we were revisiting a lot of these themes going through the same story arc but with different characters it didn't seem 
out of place. So you, like you think we, the prequel trilogy is similar to the original trilogy? I think there's a lot of similar there's themes. similar things, but I think it's a we, whole different direction. Right, because you know, if like, we compare like the prequels to the original trilogy, the, the prequels are very much the story of Vader. They're just right, the story of his, yeah. you know, from childhood to becoming Vader, whereas it's the story of Luke and then Hope refilling and then defeating the Empire. Like, you, they're just two clearly different stories. Again, yes, they always have the same th- themes and the same uh, repetitive nature, but like story-wise as a whole, they go two different places, whereas this one, it's just us defeating the Empire again. Yeah, that's one thing I do want to bring up. There are very specific goals, storytelling goals, with the two previous trilogies. You know, the original trilogy was about the journey of Luke to becoming a Jedi set against the backdrop of the Rebels versus the Imperials. And the prequel trilogy, it details the fall of Anakin Skywalker to the dark side set against the backdrop of the Republic's transformation into the Empire, you know, during the Clone Wars. In this movie, it's about what set against what like what is what is the major conflict is the first order versus the resistance but what the fuck is our journey what's our personal journey for our characters because we don't have that shit planned out we don't know what stakes are involved we don't know what the end goal is by the end of this movie i don't feel like even that's even kind of detailed like yeah you defeated the first order the final order but like there's still no republic so what the fuck's gonna happen but you know let's let's keep going on through the plot because we are going to touch on a lot of this shit later but um one of the reasons i wanted to highlight this particular scene with the emperor saying that the dark side you know unnatural abilities etc that's jj abrams favorite scene from the prequels So I think I think that's a reason why that was specifically included. But I also think it's relevant if you want to talk about how the emperor came back to life. But to your point, TJ, um, considering all the circumstances, sometimes you just got to do it this way. You just got to say he's back. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. Carry on. But you just got to do it that way, considering these circumstances. Just something I was reading and I never I didn't notice this until I read it. But like Palpatine is in the third movie of each trilogy that we have. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like, yeah. cool. it just kind of weird. And I'll get into my trash and treasure. I have like good things and bad things about that. But it's just, I was thinking about, I was like, yeah, he's really the bad one in the prequels, the original and this one. It's interesting that mm-hmm. they did that. Yeah. That was all. All right. So Kylo Ren's talking to the emperor. He pretty much, you know, threatens to kill him. And then the emperor makes him an offer. He says, you know, you've grown strong with the dark side. Take my fleet and, you know, you'll have your own new empire. I'm going to give you the final order. We're going to talk about that in a second. But you just uh, got to kill Ray. Right? Yeah, you just got to kill Ray. And that's Palpatine's kind of only condition. You got to kill the girl. And then Kylo Ren says, you know, why? You know, she means nothing. She's nobody. And then um, I believe the emperor just smiles right. while the lights go off because he knows something. And, you know, he pretty much tells Kylo what Kylo's going to tell Ray later on in the movie. I think that's Kylo's way of kind of like trying to protect her. No, because he didn't give a fuck about her after she rejected him in Last Jedi, remember? Okay, yeah. so he's literally just pissed, pissed. Yeah, he's just like, well, fuck. Because, I mean, because that makes like, sense. What yeah, is your endgame? Because yeah. that whole end beginning scene is he's just running around pissed off trying to hunt down the Palpatine. And then um, these Star Destroyers come out of the ice and shit. So you're telling me that thousands of fully staffed, you know, mm-hmm. Imperial Star Destroyers with brand new armor and fucking clothes and shit and people under 30 have been under here for the last 30 years like nobody's noticed that on this planet he's just been building thousands of fucking star destroyers these star destroyers have just been under ice being built this whole fucking time and the emperor did nothing it kind of makes me wonder why don't you just have your fucking ships go out on your own and take over the galaxy you're alive you know what i'm saying also why does kylo ren even need the emperor the emperor doesn't threaten him till later on in the movie but according to Last Jedi, after the destruction of Starkiller Base and the destruction of the Republic, the First Order was weeks away from taking over the galaxy, right? At the end of The Last Jedi, 
Kylo Ren kills Snoke, and he's the leader of this force that's weeks away from taking over the galaxy. At the end of Last Jedi, the Resistance loses, and they have almost no forces by the end of the movie, and this movie takes place a year after The Last Jedi, so you don't think after a year, Kylo Ren's already taken over? Like, he doesn't need the Emperor. But I might be going off a bad tangent, but doesn't Yoda say in The Phantom Menace, a Sith is always a master and apprentice, no more, no less, so there has to be two. Is that what Palpatine's trying to do? Like to get the Sith as for as complete, as I guess. I think Palpatine's trying to bring back the Sith, which is kind of, which you finally figure out later on in the movie. Yeah. He's trying to perpetuate that rule of two. But at this point, like Kylo Ren has no reason. So he can just give him the middle finger and say, I don't need yeah. you at all. Huh? Yeah, he's yeah. like, I'm already in charge. Like yeah. the whole reason I'm here is because you're a threat to my power. But like, he doesn't control yeah. that fleet of Star Destroyers. Who, Palpatine? No. Ren. No, Kylo Ren doesn't. But he has the First Order, which despite losing their base in The Force Awakens, is still in control of the galaxy but which makes I mean no I guess sense. if Palpatine like rises up thousands of star destroyers I'd probably be like yeah the, you're right you're now in charge like I maybe thought we were in charge with the with the empire or whatever but yeah. then you showed me your fleet and I guess you went that, that's a ton of independent contractors working on this <laughs> <laughs> it's a big galaxy. just three decades no but you're right like, Randall Graves relax over there yeah there there should have been some incentive like hey join me or die like yeah. join me or I'm like like do that because clearly Palpatine has enough forces I would assume to destroy the First White. Order. Right? Well, yeah, because he, lit yeah. he literally says that at a point later in the movie, where, or I'll turn my fleet on you, I think is something like that. And that's another thing I want to bring up. If Palpatine could just turn his fleet on Kylo Ren at any time, he doesn't need Kylo Ren. I think what he needs is Kylo Ren to give him Rey. Mm -hmm. yeah. What's confusing to me is when he asks Kylo Ren to kill Rey, because if he had actually done that, then the Emperor's plans would have not worked. Because well, he needs Rey so that she could kill him and then you know become the next Sith or whatever. Like he's really betting on Rey to be stronger to kill Kylo Ren, so that maybe that'll prompt her to go to the dark or side. Or he knows Kylo's like in between and won't have the guts to actually kill her maybe i mean well because if we look at it from and again yeah like there's a lot of ambiguity here yeah if we look at it as now that we've seen the whole movie know what his end game really was mm -hmm. um you know we can see that he's always wanted ray he wants ray to be his heir his heir to the sith the next one to carry it on i mean again these are assumptions but for me it would make right. the most sense that he and would he, want i mean if ray he to knows kill kylo ren as a way to her path to the dark side the yeah. emperor i'm sure knows that uh there's some sort of connection between kylo ren and ray although he seemed well, yeah because he, he didn't Surprised by that when they were together, right, because <laughs> so, I, I don't know. So they could set that up yeah. as their connection being an actual thing in the force. Right? Yeah, he didn't. He didn't know that till the very end of the movie. Right. Yeah. Um, Which is weird though, because Snoke knew it. Yeah. And Snoke is reporting to the Emperor. He knew they had a connection, but the other funny thing about this is that, like, yeah, they keep saying these Star Destroyers. Is it thousands of Star Destroyers? Is it millions or billions of Star Destroyers? Like, and again, like, they're just set up as, we can't do the Death Star again, so this is the most badass thing we can do right now. Like, And that's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, We've done the Death Star, what, three times now? Yeah. Well, by by the end of the film, we'll have 3,000 Death Stars, so. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll have Super Star Killer. Oh, yeah. Did yeah. they say, did they say that they were, that each one could destroy a planet or something? Yes. Like that? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. We'll we'll get to that. But wasn't it a cool scene though, visually? Like, I thought it was. Yeah. Everything yeah, visually is amazing yeah, on this. Eleven out of ten. For yeah. Visuals. Everything in this movie looks cool. Okay. Like, let's okay. just let's just get no, that out. No, like no yeah. argument. Like people everything. people listening to this podcast. Like everything in this movie looks great without question. You know, cinematography is great. The color palette is amazing. The CGI is great in this movie. We don't want you to think that we're just shitting all over this movie. But like a lot of things in this movie 
look cool from the sequences to the picture itself. Movie looks great. Yeah, I would even say the performances are great. Yeah, like yeah, I don't really yeah. have you know what we're talking about here is it's just a plot. story. Yeah, yeah, a story. Do you? I think we agreed that Rogue One visually was great, right? And mm-hmm. I kind of put Phantom Menace up there. Where would you rank this as far as visually? Is it ahead of those? or I would say the best three looking would be Last Jedi, Rogue One, and this movie are the three best looking movies. Yeah. yeah. Which is probably just... Phantom Menace any? I mean, probably N- just... Naboo, uh, it looks like Italy. I just, I, I have to... I mean, if you want to talk if you want to talk production value, I'll say episode one is up there, yeah. but if, if we're talking about visually how, like how it looks... Visual yeah. Directors yeah. And stuff because and, yeah. we, we get introduced to a whole a lot of new worlds in this movie. So yeah. It, it, and so that. you visually, you, you, you open up the universe and you get to see you know different places that we haven't been to. Yeah, so. I think I mean, this trilogy is like the solid as far as just art and visuals and yeah, I think it's got to be this trilogy looks the best. I just think I'm more forgiving because of the visual and because of the acting, the performances, I just wanted to throw that out there because I know we're kind of taking a dump on some of this stuff, so I just wanted to throw that out there. It's and more it, plot than anything else, which yeah. to be to be honest, I don't know if y'all would have been happy with anything. Well, yeah, and, so, <laughs> and yeah, That's like the other, the other side of this coin is like, especially when we were trying to rank, which we'll get into later, it's always like, I guess, respect versus like uh, rewatchability the original uh, episode four five and six are always have like the respect that, like that started it all like I watched them when I was a kid 100% always going to be top for me whereas these ones like I would rewatch this movie again like two or three more like I would just sit there and watch it for no other reason than like it's entertaining right. it's, and it's not hard to sit through individually as a movie it's solid it's yeah. a very fun ride yeah. All right. So let's let's move on from uh, Emperor and his ships and his car lot. Um, so we got a uh, we're going to the ice cave world with Poe and Finn, and uh, I believe BB 8s in the sequence as well with them on the I ship. Yeah. No, no, BB 8s with Ray. My oh, bad. No, so we're going. Uh, so we're going to the uh, the ice cave world. I'm not sure what planet this is, uh, but they go and meet up with their resistance contact, and I think his name is Bulio. I yeah. think. Yeah. So they meet you know the little Muppet dude that's like win the war. You know yeah. that guy. Yeah. So they get data from him. From the First Order, there's a spy in the First Order um, about uh, Emperor Palpatine. So they download the data real quick, and you know they bring out the big cable. Yeah. And I'm like, oh shit, this is a big ass file. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> ten <laughs> seconds later, they have it. We're, we're in the future, and we still because have to. We, we still have to hook up. Uh, I know. I they can airdrop. It. Yeah, that's how I was like, what can we do fucking airdrop? Yeah, they airdrop wanted, in 2020. They wanted to wait longer, but they hardwired it so they could get it faster. Right. Dude, I, I just watched Rogue One again last night, and and I'm just like, when I see how long it takes Jin to like send a file, I can understand because those are Death Star plans, you know, right. and she has to beam it up through a force field to a ship. That makes sense with a big ass satellite dish. Here, it's just like USB. It's like a, a link cable for yeah. your Game Boy. <laughs> Print it out. <laughs> Print it out. Yeah, send me a me. Word doc. Email us. Like <laughs> nothing. Yeah, yeah. Paperless. By yeah. Put it on your OneDrive. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's blocking. Put it in the cloud. Nothing's stopping you from sending it. Like you don't need to hardwire this shit. But it's a spy document. Yeah. You know whatever shit happens. R two R two gets a save file, and uh, they take off. Um, they take off and they're escaping from these first order troops that followed them there, I guess. And, you know, once again, we do this whole Millennium Falcon in a tight space thing. You know, this is like the third or fourth time we're doing it. How do you feel about the hyper jump sequence? I guess skipping a stone on a pond is what it reminded me of. I feel like that sequence would have more impact if the stakes were much higher and if it was at a more crucial part in the movie. See, and I, I like them exploring the idea of it. Like, you know, and again, I feel like they've done this maybe in, um, oh, what was that, uh, that Marvel one with Rocket the Raccoon and- Oh, uh, Guardians? Yeah, with Guardians. Guardians they did something similar. Oh, the, jump, the jumps, right. the quick yeah. jumps. But um, yeah, again, 
the stakes would be higher, but I do like the idea of them exploring it, of them kind of, I think it just, to me, because it feels like breaking the rigidity of like um, sort of the Star Wars universe, whereas like hyperspace has always been like domains to change scenes, if you will, or to like close a scene or open a scene. I like them flushing. Is this is, is when they're jumping? Is this where they mention the Haldo maneuver, or no? No, no, it's later on. Yeah, that's when they have the meetup at the resistance base. At, okay, towards yeah. the end. Yeah. Okay, um, but I thought it was cool. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. So I don't have too many problems with it. I thought it was a cool thing to see. I feel like this is another thing that somebody on the creative team said, oh, this would be badass to see, and so it got included. You know, it's kind of throwaway, whatever. I read they were supposed to include more worlds in, in this jump. Like, I heard Kashyyyk was supposed to be in it. Uh, I forgot, there's like two uh, or Naboo. Naboo, okay. I think Kamino was supposed to be in it, too. Yeah. yeah. Also, were there just like random aliens in the Millennium Falcon with them that we never got fleshed out as who they were? Yeah, there's a there's a big slug looking dude. Yeah, that dude. He was just like messing with one of the panels. Yeah, he was making repairs. Finn talks to him, and then you never see him again. And I was under the assumption that oh, the Millennium Falcon has like a full crew now. Yeah, it's not just them anymore. But nope, it's like really he's just kind of used for that scene. Yeah, he's just kind of there, and I ambience. I wonder why he's there. So I would assume that that is a cameo because that would be cool. Just kind of again things we haven't seen before, like a little crew now working the Falcon as it's official like a resistance ship or something it's yeah. a new toy <laughs> yeah it's true you're right it is a new toy yeah, yeah. but um if staying on the positive beat one thing i gotta say i'm loving like the chemistry between finn poe and ray in this movie they're acting together where they've taken like their sort of friendship i don't know um, i can't get on board with poe i don't know why finn and ray i, I completely agree with but I, I can't get on board with poe i don't know why I, I think his character did a little back and forth between like yeah. last Jedi. but i one last thing is like 100 i am I love where Finn is in this movie. To me, like yeah. in, the, in this trilogy, where he his character, like he's just coming to his own in this one, and yeah. I love Finn in this movie. Yeah, I will say in the beginning of this, I would say like the first quarter of the film, that like witty banter back and forth seemed really forced with these okay. actors. I think it was the writing. I don't think it was the performance at all. But it didn't seem like that with Luke, Leia, and Han. But it felt like you know they would make like these quick quips and. If that had been in the original trilogy, you would have heard the audience laugh or you would have heard us giggle or something. And there was just none of that. It was like deadpan silence in the theater. Are you talking about when they all meet up on the Resistance planet? That. When they I'm get off the ship? talking about like when they're on the ship. Um, yeah. Skipping. Like, it's just, it all just feels a little bit like, oh, Star Wars is supposed to be like quick jabs and witty commentary. Let's add that into the script. It, it just felt really forced and really boring to me. To yeah, be I think you said it, Mother. Ray and Finn have absolute chemistry. Yeah, because they have a history. Yeah, in that yeah. first movie, they spent the entire film, almost ninety percent of the film together, developing right? their friendship. Yeah, yeah. their their friendship is rooted in something. When Finn and Poe are together, I feel that chemistry because they started off their journey together. Mm-hmm. They they even had scenes together in Last Jedi. Yeah. But when it comes to the three of them together, I don't feel any realistic you don't dynamic. See the Luke, Leia, Han, right? Yeah, yeah. they're they're trying, What's and on? I will you know fault this on Last Jedi for splitting everybody up for the whole movie. People can argue and say, well, Empire did it too. No, they spent a lot of time on Hoth. Yeah. They spent a shitload of time on Hoth before they went on their fucking journeys. I think the first 40-something minutes is on yeah. Hoth, I think. Yeah. But in The Last Jedi, they're never together. And in this movie, I feel like they're trying to make up for lost time. And we talk about how dense uh, the beginning of this movie is. I feel like this movie is episode 8.5 plus 9. Because I feel like J.J. is going back, you know, retconning a lot of things from yes, Last Jedi. Yeah. We can agree on that. Yeah, undoing a lot of things that he felt weren't going to help him tell his story story from the first two movies as well as unfortunately dealing with Carrie Fisher mm-hmm. 
and also trying to create and end this group dynamic all in one movie. And I feel like this is another instance of just throwing us right in there. Instead of establishing any sort of relationship between the three, let's just chuck people right in the middle of their relationship and we'll figure it out as we go along because we have no other choice because of the circumstances that we're put under. It starts off as really awkward because we don't know what each person's role is in this group dynamic, so it makes things feel so weird. So when Poe jumps off the Millennium Falcon and he argues with Ray, mm-hmm. it's like y'all have never talked to each other but once. Right. So it just feels off-putting, you know? Yeah. And see, like, I agree with what you got, like, to your valid points. Like, yeah, like, if you think about it, Finn, it's really more Finn's two friends as opposed to the three of them being friends. But, um, you know, I kind of liked it. I thought that was my guilty pleasure, let's say. Like, the little yeah. quip, little banter. But um, to your guys' point of, like, forced relationships, it was I felt that C-3PO uh, is endearment towards them especially like his line of taking one last look at my friends. Friends. You can feel that, yeah. First off, you guys haven't spent any time together. If this was the OG trilogy, I could see that. And then plus, they've been like nothing but like dickish to him the whole movie. And again, like they're supposed to be. It's funny. Um, I think best laugh in the entire movie though goes to C-3PO. Everyone in that damn theater was laughing. Like I looked across everyone when... uh, What did he say? I I hated this movie when I walked out. The first time I watched it, I fucking hated it. But I said, C three PO was my only favorite part of this movie yeah, when I watched was the, the line first time. Set up when they stared at him. Oh, when they when they. Or do you want to wait till we get there? No, no, no. One story. of the lines that made me laugh, and we'll we'll run through this through the plot. But um, one of the lines that made me laugh was when they fall in the quicksand, and Poe's just like Ray, Finn, BB eight, and C three PO's just like, you didn't say my name, but I'm okay. <laughs> like I, I laughed at that. Yeah. I for the first time in a Star Wars movie, I feel like C three PO gets a lot of play. Um, you know, in the main plot as opposed to kind of being an accessory, which he later turns into, but I thought that was enjoyable. But yeah, I feel like the dynamic is forced to your guys' points. It doesn't feel natural, but that's due to the circumstances once again. So now I was talking about the scene where they turned and looked at him, and then he turned around. Oh, when they get to Pisana? <laughs> yeah. yeah. When he's talking he about, a couple uh, funny he's reading yeah. the, the Yelp the, review of the yeah, planet. And they yeah. stare at him like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then he like turns around to look at what they're looking at. That's um, me, that got me. Um, so before they meet up, though, we get to the Resistance planet. I don't even know what the fuck it's called. I'm going to just call it Yavin 5. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know, instead we're, of 4. Uh, we're but, training. Yeah. yeah. We're, okay, so Ray's training. And this is the first time in the entire trilogy that we actually see her training or being trained, aside from you know her cutting a rock open in Last Jedi or whatever. So we finally get to see that. How do you guys feel about Ray's training? I thought I thought it was cool. I yeah, like the training sequence cool. was awesome. Was, it's kind of cool, like how Leia was. So you get this training, kind of idea yeah. that she's actually probably was formally trained by Luke as well. So yeah. like, I also that, like it because it shows that there between the end of the last film and, and now there's been a progression in her Jedi ability. That just had kind of a weird gap to me of at first I was like, how is Leia fit to train Rey? Right. But then they address that later. So and then I'm 100% satisfied with that addressing of it. Like, okay, I'm on board. That makes sense. But I felt like maybe that was a little clumsy backwards timing of it. But again, I thought the yeah. training sequence itself was dope. I think this sequence does two things. Um, one, it pleases all the people that got problems with Ray not fucking training, myself included, but not for those reasons. And also, it shows us that, you know, Ray's skills have greatly increased so that when she does fight Palpatine, she's about that business. But in addition to that, it addresses the Leia thing. You know, some people weren't too happy about her being able to, you know, Mary Poppins through space in Last Jedi. So by showing her having the ability to train Rey and actually be a master, it kind of answers that question of why is Leia able to do that? And I think this movie does a good job of kind of explaining things that seem to inexplicably happen in The Last Jedi. When you go back and watch The Last Jedi, 
I think you have less of a problem with Leia floating through space because now in the ninth movie, you know that she completed actual Jedi right. training and she's a master. I still don't think any Jedi should be able to fly no. through space like that. I'm not Thor. Yeah, like I'm <laughs> like I don't believe that, but I do think that offers a way to kind of offer some sort of explanation for that in a way. I don't right. Know. Two things. Like one, there was some fan service too with her training, just the same helmet and the same little floating orb right. yeah. that yeah. Luke used. I was like, oh, really? We can't find some something else to use but then it's time and they haven't made a new helmet yeah i was like i mean that's cool i mean i rec it's recognizable but i'm like why and then the second thing was i don't think we i mean we don't have a choice but it's, it's a bummer i guess is more than anything that we don't spend enough time with leia kind of going through more of that backstory of her you know having you know powers right. and stuff like that it's kind of a bummer that we didn't get to explore that more i, I just gotta fault both movies as yeah. much as i want to fault last jedi I, I feel like this movie is a lot of jj coming back and setting up things that he wanted to do and unfortunately, because the actor isn't alive, he can't do a lot of things with Carrie Fisher. But I think that was always the plan. Me too. Was, was to have Leia in also the third be a, movie. Yeah, yeah, in the third movie, be this badass Jedi master. And I think the third thing with Rey doing her training is that Rey's doing some badass shit, right? Yeah. Who taught her that? Leia. So you know that Leia is a fucking badass right. in her own right, even though yeah. we don't get to see it. So, you know, I, I just feel like there's a lot of shit in here that's clearly evident that there was a certain direction J.J. wanted to go, and I feel like the last movie derailed it, and that first movie spent so much time being a new hope that it forgot to at least introduce some of that stuff. Yeah. So Ray's done with her training. Uh, she tells Leia, you know, I'm distracted, this and that. Um, one day I'll earn your brother's saber, and she hands it over. Here we have the first official retcon or erasure of something that has happened in The Last Jedi, right? We have Rey handing over Anakin's saber, right? First of all, it ain't Luke's saber, it's Anakin's saber. Luke's saber is green. When are we gonna fucking get oh, over this shit? I was very curious about that. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah, so it's repaired. The, the saber that they broke in the last one, and I feel like there's a lot of symbolism involved in that in The Last Jedi, kind of letting go of the past, destroying the past. We destroyed Anakin's lightsaber. Darth Vader's identity was central to the story as far as it relates to Snoke and Kylo Ren, Luke, etc. So you destroyed that in the last movie, and in this movie, you put it back together. And then almost immediately after that, we're putting Kylo Ren's helmet back together. And then you're gonna see a lot of things that take place in this movie that walk back certain things in The Last Jedi or repair them or yeah, stitch them together. I didn't look at it that way. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. So, do you like Kylo Ren's helmet? No, <laughs> I, I didn't either. I was just like, oh, what I the? liked it. Really? I did too. I thought it was cool. I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't think it made. I didn't like it. I, thought, I, was just, see, I, I don't know. I liked it, and I liked the whole uh, running with the posse with the Knights of Ren thing that looked badass. I, but again, I, we got really no payoff for the helmet or the Knights of Ren. Because I feel like everyone's complaint, and one of ours was they took the helmet off way too soon, and then it was destroyed. So I think they just wanted to bring it back, you know, for a fan service thing. Right, and but they, they brought just, it back, oh, and then at some point he just stopped wearing it again. Yeah, for I, the most yeah. iconic scenes, he stopped wearing it. And well. Then, two things you know last jedi he destroys it right after right. snoke calls him a little baby in a yeah. mask i think at that moment he decides like fuck this he destroys the helmet i think that's when he starts down his path to i'm gonna kill snoke i'm gonna rise above all this other shit i'm not trying to be vader etc once again i think that's one of the better things about the last jedi is kylo's forging his own path and i think when you put that helmet back on him it's a regression of character similar to what The Last Jedi did to a lot of our characters. Yeah. And the other thing too, I think Adam Driver is such a great actor, like with his facial expressions, with his eyes. I think once he puts the helmet back on, he's kind of goofy. Well, like, I think once you take it off, you can't really you can't put, put it, it back, back on. Yeah, so yeah. it's just like leave it off, you know? In Last Jedi, I thought he looked less intimidating with the helmet off. 
but I got used to it after a while because I was like, okay, now I can see like the emotion in his face and all that other shit. And when he goes to visit Palpatine, when he's killing fools on Mustafar, all that other shit, like you can see in his acting, like the intensity. And I feel like once you put that helmet back on, he looks like a a kid at Halloween. But the other thing too, he takes the helmet off whenever he sees Rey. Yeah. So when they go to Pasana, um, he takes it off when they have the little tug of war thing on the spaceship. When they meet on um, Kef Beer at the Death Star crash site, he has his helmet off. Every time he sees Rey, he takes his helmet off. So that makes me ask two things. Did we really need to put it together, number one? And number two, I like that he only takes it off for Rey because there's some- More vul- like intimate. Yeah, there's them. some vulnerability yeah. involved in that. So I do appreciate that. Yeah. But it is a lot to fit in one film, so. Yeah. Um, so Finn and Poe arrive. So now they need to go off and find the Sith Wayfinder, right? Yeah, that's what the message said. They tell everybody that Palpatine's been out there hiding in the shadows. You know, great usage of Carrie Fisher's lines here and there. You know, it's hit or miss sometimes, but I think for the most part it works. Um, they decide to go off. So it's going to be BB-8, C-3PO, uh, Ray, Finn, and Poe. And then they're going to go to Pasana, the desert planet, right? So before they leave, Finn tells Rose, hey, Rose, are you coming? And then Rose says, I would, but the general wants me to sit back and look at ship schematics for the upcoming battle or whatever it is. And then Finn's just like, okay, next time. And he just pats her on the shoulder and walks away. And I feel like- It's just a way to get her out. Dog, I feel like Rose got did so dirty in this movie. Like I didn't like how her character was used in the last movie at all. Like I thought she had the most potential out of any character, but goddamn, in this movie, like you might as well like throw her under a rug or something. And yeah, because I mean, yeah. like, I mean, own it. Like if she if she was introduced in the, the Last Jedi, just make her part of the crew. I mean, it, we got the introduction. Her role might have been polarizing, but you know what? She's part of the crew. And there was no reason to kind of omit her. And I mean, even the entire film, her role has been greatly reduced. I think we talked about this pre-production. Like she had only like a minute and 16 seconds, seconds screen time. I don't know if you guys read anything about this, but I read an article that basically that role reduction was in response to negative feedback that was received after The Last Jedi was released from basically a lot of like internet trolls who yeah. had an issue with this character for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, Chris Terrio, the writer, he did an interview kind of addressing Kelly Marie Tran's essential omission from the movie. Uh, and he said, uh, quote, uh, well, first of all, JJ and I adore Kelly Marie Tran. One of the reasons that Rose has a few less scenes than we would like her to have has to do with the difficulty of using Carrie's footage in the way that we wanted to. As the process evolved, a few scenes we've written with Rose and Leia turned out to not meet the standard of photorealism that we'd hoped for. Those scenes unfortunately fell out of the film. The last thing we wanted to do was deliberately sideline Rose. We adore the character and we adore Kelly so much that we anchored her with our favorite person in the galaxy, General Leia. I can see where he's coming from, from an editing and maybe screenwriting perspective. However, I think there's so many other opportunities to use the character that I call complete bullshit on this. I think this is, in my opinion, this is just me speaking personally, I think this is completely reactionary because we got a tech person, we gotta dig through C-3PO's memory. I love Babu Freak and we'll get to him when we talk about him, but why couldn't Rose just be the tech person that looks through C-3PO's memory? Why couldn't they just bring his ass back to the base and then Rose looks in his mind? We have um, Lord of the Rings guy, uh, 
I think Dominic Monaghan's his name. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. find him so distracting in this movie. Yeah, he just didn't fit, not, right? Yeah, he's not. I kept no. seeing Lost or Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he he didn't really have any speaking lines too. He was just like, no, oh, he, no, he, he spoke did. all the time. Yeah. Did he? He's okay. spewing exposition at every opportunity, okay, every I frame. I, I hated the extras in the Resistance in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he was just so phoned in. Yeah, the me. other dude from uh, what's his? The big dude. He has like the beard, the dark like hair. John Favreau. Nah, <laughs> yeah, the one that looks like John oh, Favreau, yeah, the guy from uh, Heroes. Yeah, the yeah, dude from Heroes. Heroes. Yeah, like yeah. he talks, uh, Dominic Monaghan talks, and I'm just like, damn, y'all couldn't give these speaking lines to her. Y'all literally left her on a planet with nothing to do, and we never see her. She has one minute and 16 seconds of screen time, but y'all don't do nothing with her. Like, could she at least fucking talk? Yeah. Could you take her on the trip? You know, instead of introducing Babu Frick, could you have her fucking dig through C3PO's memory? I feel like these are all kind of bullshit excuses. And also, if you gave her all these scenes with Leia, that goes back to writing. Right. That, that has nothing to do with filming. That has to do with writing. You wrote scenes with her and Leia, but like you only had eight minutes of footage to use. So every bit of footage you had of Carrie Fisher must have been crucial. Well, apparently that's not the case. Therefore, you're effectively using the limitations of having Carrie Fisher's footage as an excuse. It was J.J. Abrams' way of getting her out, right? Yeah. That, that's yeah. what I get. At the end of, look, just own it. Just own it. Well, I didn't, I wanted the character. Hold up, I don't, I don't want to say it's all J.J. Abrams. No, I'm not going to say it's all J.J. either. Or, or the producers. The studio. You know, the that because movie. I think even in her interviews, I think she had, a, she probably got blindsided because I think she filmed scenes with her and Ray and she was even talking yeah. about how, like, hey, you know, I got, you finally got to have some scenes with Ray and this and that. So so there could have been a lot of footage that was shot, but that ultimately got, got cut. Yeah, and, and I don't want to like say I don't want we don't want to point the blame at JJ because we'll get into it. There's a lot of things that are coming to light. Kelly Marie Tran did say that she finally gets to interact with Daisy Ridley on screen, yeah, and that she did film scenes with Leia. But I feel like, and you know, like you said, Bling, we're gonna get to this. But there has been a lot of shit that's come out that makes me believe that this is all a uh, response to backlash from yeah. the last movie. Right, because to me the biggest point of that was wasn't there like a little romance thing between her and Finn that just totally got dropped? Yeah, yeah. they were kind yeah. of going like, that and see that, And yeah. that's like the biggest thing to me that's proof that's evident that they were just next her time. character <laughs> under the rug. Next yeah, time. yeah. he just yeah. taps her on the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Next time. Thanks, yeah. bro. Legs her arm. Sorry, bro. There's no episode 10. <laughs> Sorry, it's the last one. What do you mean next time? <laughs> yeah, what, I, I wish she would have looked into the camera and said, there is no next time. And it's just like, what? <laughs> Breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Um, the Knights of Ren. We finally see them. Right. They're helping uh, put together Kylo Ren's mask. Uh, I think some alien or whatever is putting it together. But we see them for the first time in that shot outside of uh, Force Awakens in that flashback. Um, they look dope. Yeah, they look cool. I'm not gonna front. Like they look cool. They remind me of like those uh, high school gangs in like yeah. Japanese drama shows or animes. <laughs> like the guys that walk around with the stick yeah. on their back and shit. A sort of wooden mask. Yeah, with the pompadours and shit. Yeah. They ultimately, never do anything cool. Yeah, they they really don't. Yeah, the biggest letdown. So we get to Pasana, the desert planet. You know, all the ant eaters are doing the electric slide. Um, you know, like we talked about, the production value is great. I, I love the uh, practical effects on all the little kids, the adults, all that other shit. I thought that was cool. We get another desert planet. At this point, I don't care. It's just like we get we get space Burning Man. Yeah, we get yeah. space Burning Man, space Coachella, whatever you want to call it. We get reintroduced to Force Skype, I guess we can call it, or Force Time, Force Skype, whatever you want to yeah. call yeah. it. Force Time. So yeah. after Ray has a conversation with the little girl about not having a family name. She gets the beaded necklace or whatever. Uh, Kylo Ren contacts her through the force. Which I still hate. Yeah. I just, I just, I just said that just like in my head incoming call like the little yeah. iPhone thing going yeah. off in my head. 
Yeah. Um, and if I remember correctly, uh, last movie, Snoke had to do it. Because yeah, she, she, he bridged the... Isn't the, he the one that orchestrated it? Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. He helped bridge the powers so that... Mm-hmm. that he was gone. Like, he was like the amplifier, you know? But yeah. Point, the Wi-Fi extender. But that did linger, though, from The Last Jedi. Because after The Last Jedi, Rey and Kylo Ren see each other before she takes off in the Millennium Falcon, if yeah. you remember. So after Snoke dies, they still are able to do that thing. Yeah. Which I'll give it a pass. You know, I'll give it a pass, whatever. Yeah. And I think this is one of the more interesting aspects of this film is the fact that they are able to have these kind of conversations. I feel like in The Last Jedi, it feels very stilted. And we're just like, oh, I don't have my shirt on. Oh, put a shirt on. And yeah. you're a monster. Like, I feel like in each of these interactions, it moves things forward. Each kind one sets up the right. next. And, yeah. And, and I, then we get introduced to a new, like, force ability where now they can transport objects from. So that's what, yeah, on this yeah. one, you're talking about the one where they start fighting each other and things. That's that the are, second one. No. This is the first one. The first one. So, so he, he grabs her necklace that she has. That, oh, uh, yeah. And that's how okay. he's able to find out. Like, I now, know you guys at. like this? The way they do it is a good way to set up what happens at the very the end. The second one, right? Yeah, because yeah. if they just did that at the end, I would just be like, what the fuck? How'd you transport a lightsaber? How yeah. did you do that? But I think doing it in small increments by having their, um, first he snatches the necklace to find out where she is, in the second um, telepathic fight or whatever they have, he hits the berries and they fall on the floor in his room. Oh, right. And then she knocks over Vader's helmet and then he sees the helmet on his side. All of these things lead up to that moment where she transfers the lightsaber and it makes it more plausible and believable and don't forget you know current as you were talking about earlier the two main things that they wanted to focus on in this film was who is Rey and what are the capabilities of the force Mm -hmm. and we're continuing to like expand those capabilities now through sort of kinetic or transferability or whatever I think this is one of the cooler things because I love you know to your point mugs and we'll get there too but I love that fight that they have on Kajimi while raising the starship. I, right. I personally like uh-huh. it. Um, so Kylo Ren snatches the necklace. He finds out where they are. A stormtrooper is like, oh my God, I found them. And then he gets shot in the fucking eye. <laughs> I thought there was a kid's movie. Um, <laughs> and then uh, they meet a dude who's in a disguise and they get in his trailer or whatever. <laughs> and uh, he takes it off and it's Lando. So we get Billy D. Williams back. How do y'all feel about Lando? Damn, he aged. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they all did, right? No, but he aged. They meet Lando after they find the dagger. Before. Before, before, before yeah. 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 I aged. thought Mark Hamill aged Oh, well, yeah, granted, but well, he, yeah, I mean, Lando aged pretty, wow. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I like I think, him, I think yeah. Lando's cool. You know, all these people coming back are so fucking depressing, like Luke, and then Leia's pouty, all fucking Last Jedi, because of the circumstances. Solo was a great comeback. And yeah, Han Solo, like he, he, yeah. Brought, he brought the energy too. But and he I, also has Chewbacca to back him up. You that know is I mean? true. Yeah. But I feel like Lando hasn't just... has aged a bit. No. Yeah. Chewbacca doesn't <laughs> get gray hairs at all. Yeah, Lando on his <laughs> own has so much energy. Like Billy D. Williams, like he brings so much levity to the situation. He does like, have a presence, yes. Because Carrie Fisher is gone, you need somebody else with a presence. Every time Billy D. Williams is on screen, it adds a little more weight to what's yeah. happening. Almost every Marvel film has some older actor to ground them. And I think you needed Billy D. Williams, especially if Carrie Fisher isn't there to ground this movie. And knowing that Carrie Fisher isn't alive for this kind of removes her ability to do that. I think having Billy D. Williams there as Lando definitely helps. But yeah, I guess the, speaking of cutting room, they did have more ideas to do with him. Like there was supposed to be a subplot where he is finding his long lost daughter, mm. which is, I think, part of that sort of weird scene at the end. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that was part of it. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll definitely talk about that. Um, so they talked to Lando. 
Lando says like, oh yeah, Luke and I were looking for Ochi's ship, you know, the Sith assassin or whatever on this planet, but we gave up or whatever when we couldn't find him. Um, Ray wants to take a look at his ship out in the desert. Lando tells him where it is. And then they leave the trailer. Uh, why? You leave the trailer for what? Like you've already killed the stormtrooper in front of kids. Uh, and then uh, you get in Lando's trailer, you're safe. Why can't Lando just drive you out there? Instead, they're just like, oh, you know what? Let's get out of your trailer and you know, openly steal two skiffs and then speed off across the desert in plain view of the First Order. I don't understand why Lando couldn't just drop them off. All this is because we need an action scene. We need something. Right. If, they if, needed to set up the Mad Max uh, chase scene. Yeah, yeah they, they need to set up the Mad Max chase, which which is cool. Like I I love it, but it's pointless. Did you guys like that though? I did. I, I love the yeah. flying sort. Do they but fly you, now? Yeah, they fly. You, I, I thought it was cool. How do you like the sort of ass launcher off the motorcycle? Though, yeah, I, I thought it was cool. Yeah. All right, I got a problem with this a little bit. I think John Boyega brought it up too because uh, when they're like, "Oh, they fly now," I'm just like, "Y'all motherfuckers never like seen the Clone Wars or like the old like Star Wars shit. Like stormtroopers have always been able to fly. Yeah, like that's not a new thing. Like we were talking about bling, kind of the things that have come out. I guess the they fly now thing was a uh, something strictly for marketing and to sell merchandise. Yeah, to sell like flying, like jet troopers. Yeah, I guess there's an infamous Reddit post out there. I'm not going to get into too much detail, at least now anyway. But JJ didn't want that in the movie, allegedly. You know, this is all coming from Reddit. You know, we're not believing 100% of this, but these are just things that just come out. Um, if this scene feels out of place, it's because I think it was introduced for, for selling toys, right? Yeah. And JJ didn't feel like this scene needed to be in the movie. And when you kind of look at it, you know, in hindsight, they didn't really need to be on this chase. Like they could have just gone to the ship undercover. Yeah. They got saved already. So it, it makes no sense. But yeah, jet troopers have been around forever. Well, then but. you could have spent more time with Lando too. Like if he would have like taken him out there, then we would have got more screen time with him too. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a thought. As opposed to doing this, we could have got more, you know, story. You know, still looks cool. I still like the way it looks. Um, they get shot up by the last jet trooper. Uh, they land on quicksand and um, they start sinking. You know, once they start sinking, Finn begins to tell Ray something like, wait, Ray, I never told you. And then they go underneath and then camera just lingers on that whole situation. I don't know if you guys know this, but Finn was going to tell Ray that he's force sensitive. I don't know why he would ever wait until that moment to tell her, mm-hmm. considering their friendship. And when we get underground, Ray's like, what did you want to tell me? And then I think somebody says, you know, when Poe's not around or whatever, so I was like, why do you have to hide that from Poe that yeah. you're force sensitive? Also, why do they never flush that out in the movie? Like, why do they introduce that and then never go? Well, again, I think a lot of it was cut. There's two illusions. We, we don't know if he's professing his love to her or if it's like, oh, I'm, I'm force sensitive, which is, it could be he interpreted. He does allude to his ability to like sense Ray's force power. Of life yeah, he can sense her dying. So like, he, yeah. like literally his, aw- that, his awakening in the, in the Force Awakens, I thought was literally like the force reaching out to him and to like others across the universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and J.J. Um, Abrams has said this in an interview and John Boyega has even confirmed it on social media. Mm-hmm. Like that was supposed to be in the movie that Finn wanted to tell Ray that he's force sensitive. And going back to what we talked about earlier, I feel like this is a lot of the stuff that J.J. wanted to do. Because in Force Awakens, Finn could sense when that planet got blown up. In this movie, he could sense Kylo Ren was coming before we even saw him. He's just like, oh, it's Ren. 
before we even saw the ship. He sensed it. You know, later on in the movie, he tells Janna he he woke up from his conditioning because of the force, just like they all did, like her stormtrooper battalion did. He could sense Ray dying at the end of the movie. So I feel like this was a thread that JJ had introduced that was completely ignored in The Last Jedi because Finn goes to a fucking casino and when you're <laughs> underage, you can't do shit. So. Well, and plus he's been using the <clears throat> lightsaber too, so it has been set up pretty hard. Yeah, he, he used the lightsaber yeah. just like Ray used the lightsaber, you know, not to the same skill level, but like he had some sort of ability mm-hmm. to use it or whatever. But I feel like this was a plot line that JJ wanted to explore is that if we're taking all these stormtroopers from birth, the chances are that some of them might be force sensitive and the force is kind of breaking them from their conditioning. And I feel like that's something that would have been great to explore in eight to conclude in yeah. nine. But now we're doing it all in one movie, unfortunately. Right. Um, I would have loved to see a bunch of more stor- ex stormtroopers being woken up to the force and possibly trained as opposed to like the stable kids from this. Yeah, right. instead of Broom Kid, we right. could have got this. Right. <laughs> no, and, I, and look, I understand the message of The Last Jedi. You ain't got to be anybody special to be special. Like, you don't have to be born special to be special, which is a great message to send. But I think in the context of this larger story, and, and I'll say this, if Ryan Johnson wants to introduce that, like, I wish he would have done nine because I want to see where the fuck he would have gone from yeah. the end of his movie. But I also feel like that was something that was kind of introduced in Force Awakens and we totally ignored that in The Last Jedi, yeah. uh, at least as far as Finn is concerned. But we're underground, uh, we run into the Pokemon, you know, Ray heals it, the little snake dude, Arbok. So we, we we get introduced to another Force ability, which was, wasn't technically new if you saw The Mandalorian because that was actually introduced in that one first. Uh, I have but, not seen But if you didn't see, yeah, yeah. So if you, like I said, there's another, if you, if you only follow the movies, this is the first time you're seeing this new Force ability. You haven't seen The Mandalorian? I have not. Do you want us to spoil anything for you? I mean, no, that's fine. It's not going to be a huge spoiler. No, that's fine. Okay. Ahead, yeah. All right. Um, so anybody listening, um, we're about to spoil some minor things from The Mandalorian. Uh, if you haven't watched that show, or at least the later parts of the season, turn this off, go watch it, and then come back. What you were saying, Bling. Uh, the Mandalorian episode got released a couple days earlier mm-hmm. prior to this. And in that episode specifically, it's uh, Baby Yoda. He heals Carl Weathers' character mm-hmm. who got kind of like maimed by these like flying Pterodactyls. pterodactyl yeah. thingies. His arm was like destroyed. Baby Yoda comes up and force heals him. So that carries on into this movie where we see Rey heal, you know, the snake. She also heals Kylo Ren and then Kylo Ren brings Rey back to life. I don't know if it was Disney releasing the Mandalorian episode first so that people are familiar with force healing or if they released the Mandalorian first so that people wouldn't be at home on a Friday night and go see the movie instead of being on Disney Plus. Because like that whole thing in the cave, like that whole scene is set up just to establish the force healing for the other more relevant scenes later. Yeah. Kind of going back to force healing. I mean, that's kind of been a thing in like the Star Wars games, I believe in the cartoons. So, I mean, it's not anything brand new that should distract from the film. Like, I'm cool with it, whatever. I mean, it does change some things from the previous films. For example, Qui-Gon could have been alive. There you go. Uh, Padme probably could have been saved. Yeah, there's huge plot gaps now. Yeah. (laughs) Anakin's mom could have been saved on Tatooine. A lot of different things could have been altered if everybody knew Force Healing. But hey, it's a new era. We got new techniques. 
They escape from the cave. They get the dagger. Ray senses that, you know, there's something about it. She, I think she has like a force vision or she hears something uh, when she comes in contact with it. Uh, C-3PO reads it, I believe, in the cave or afterwards, shortly yeah, afterwards. Too, yeah. yeah, and um, he says that it's, uh, it tells you the location of the Wayfinder, but he can't tell them because um, he's not allowed to speak Sith because of his programming. And if you pay really close attention, he says it's because the Senate of the Old Republic dictated that droids were not allowed to translate Sith. So uh, they leave the cave. They decide to take Ochi's ship because the Millennium Falcon's probably being guarded by the First Order. When you think about that, that's pretty shitty because, you know, had the First Order not hauled the Millennium Falcon to the Star Destroyer, that would have been the last we've seen of the ship, <laughs> like the entire movie, which would have been yeah. whack. But speaking of things that could have been, you know, the last time we've seen them, Chewie gets captured. So they go to Ochi's ship, and for whatever reason, I think Chewie's, like, you know, guarding them or whatever. He's walking outside and then the Knights of Ren, once again, they stand around and do nothing and they just stand there. Ray senses Kylo Ren come in, so she walks out into the middle of the desert. Poe's trying to get the... Scene. Yeah, yeah Poe's trying to get the ship ready and then Finn walks out and Finn's just, just like, well, let me just watch Ray because that's all my character's good at in this movie. You know, he also senses Kylo Ren coming, uh, like we spoke about before. Kylo Ren comes so we can have this cool shot of her doing a flip for whatever Which is reason. probably just for the trailer, right? Just for the trailer. Yeah, it is a cool shot, though. It, yeah, it, it is. is cool. Just for the trailer. Yeah, it would have been cool if they had, like if this led to a like an actual fight or something was about to go down or there was a reason that he needed to run her over like he came here to tell her something the last thing you want to do is run her ass over yeah. like what the fuck well he's trying well he's supposed to kill her yeah he's supposed to kill her maybe but maybe he was going to kill her by running her over yeah maybe that's true yeah but uh you know she she fucked up his car you know he has to take it to i don't know California collision center or whatever and then he gets out of the ship. The transport's about to take off. And Finn is like, yo, Ray, they got Chewie, they got Chewie. Ray pulls down the ship with the Force, which is another thing that a lot of people had wanted to see in live action. Somebody, like, pulling down a ship. Because a lot of people ask, like, why not just pull down the ship or push somebody off a ship or something like that? So I think this is a more practical use of the Force that we haven't seen, which is pretty cool. Shows you how powerful the characters are. And then Kylo starts pushing the ship away. They have a Force tug-of-war? Yeah, they have a little tug-of-war <laughs> going on. And then... And in her struggle, Ray goes a little too far and shoots force lightning, destroying the ship. I got two feelings about this. One is, don't you have to train to use force lightning? I don't know much about force lightning, though. Yeah, me neither. So, you know, I was kind of shocked I, I just, when I saw it. When it happened, <laughs> I was like, oh, she's connected to Palpatine. I mean, that's what I originally yeah. thought. Yeah, and, know, that's, right and that was the second thing I yeah. thought. Like, she has to be connected to Palpatine. Because, you know, he's in this movie. Mm -hmm. That happens. Okay, I and see where you're going. Is he the only one that we see in these films use it? No, Dooku uses it. In, oh, uh, yeah. Only bad guys, yeah. though. Yeah, only, yeah, Sith lightning is only, at least in the new canon, it's only for the Sith. Sith. Force right. lightning is only for the Sith. I think in the previous expanded universe, I think Jedi could use it, but they opted not to. But, you know, I could be didn't, wrong. Didn't Yoda, but like, it catch is, it yeah, against Yoda. or something? Yeah, like. Yoda could catch it and send it back, but oh. we never see him use it. Like, you never see him generate it, yeah. It is interesting, though, because it does kind of, again, um, allude to her past, which now, by this point, we know, right? Or do we not know? You don't know yet. Yeah, yeah we don't know, know yet. Know yeah. Um, because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, damn, she's pretty powerful. And then I was like, oh, wait, the only person I remember using that is the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So this could be bad for a Rey, especially because she had been struggling with like light side, dark side, as well as Kylo Ren. 
the transport blows up and this is the first time in the entire movie where I feel something because the way Daisy Ridley screams when yeah. Chewie dies and the way John Boyega screams when Chewie dies I'm like holy shit yeah like, that's some great acting they actually yeah I felt that shit yeah. like each time I watch that movie like I, I felt like they yeah. lost somebody right but 10 seconds later 10 seconds later <laughs> you know motherfucker's still alive and I'm just like wow way to go guys and this brings me to one of my major issues with this movie this is is the end of you know this Skywalker saga as Disney people is now calling die, it. Yeah. yeah, like people need to go. Like yeah. if you're gonna start killing people or getting rid of people, now's the time. You didn't kill Finn or Poe in, in Episode Seven. You didn't kill Finn or Rose or Leia in Episode Eight. And now in Episode Nine, now is the time to start killing people. Chewie doesn't die. C-3PO gets his memory back. Finn, once again, is like, I'm gonna stay behind and blow up the command ship, doesn't die. I feel like there's no stakes to this movie because at any fucking time, somebody's gonna like lift up the magic hat and be like, oh, there he is the entire time. You thought he was dead. I don't get disagree with you at all. I do feel like there needs to be casualties to like add weight to the film. However, if Rey was the one who went down in history of killing Chewbacca, there's no way that would have gone over well with the fandom. If this was gonna be a mistake that she made, it had to be at a climactic critical point in a movie, but not this one. Like, let's say this was the end of episode eight, where she's having the struggle with Kylo, doesn't know who she is, and when we come back to her in nine, she's like Ryan Johnson, Luke Skywalker status. Because like by the end of that confrontation, her power has caused somebody to die. Her power is out of control, which I think is something we don't really get to explore. Luke calls it out in episode eight. Like you have too much power. Like I've never seen this amount of power. Right. And this is something that once again, I feel that JJ wanted to explore. What happens when somebody is too powerful with the force and they can't fucking control it? Because even in Last Jedi, she goes to Luke and says, I need to know what my place in all this is because like I don't know what to do with all these powers. And you know, Luke's a dick. And then we get to this movie. And I think you're right, TJ. At this particular point in the story, if Ray kills Chewie, I don't know how I feel about her. I don't know how I feel about any of the circumstances going forward. Going to my experience when that happened, I immediately looked at Jason because he had already seen him. Like, Chewie dies? And he, he just gave me this look like, no, dude, he's back. He's fine. Because he was, well, he was already tired about answering questions for Gus. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, I don't like that they don't really, to, to my recollection, explain how he doesn't. Right. They, 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 oh no, I was just on another ship we never saw. Yeah, he was on a different transport. So and they say that they show that. Okay. Yeah, they show that. So when Chewie's being hauled off, there are two transports in the shot. And I didn't notice that the first time I watched, so I was pissed when I saw Chewie alive. I was like, how the fuck does this make any sense? Finn also mentions, like, he must have been in the other transport or something. Okay. okay. But it's weird because, like, you never see the other one take off at all. Right. And they're in the same I guess that's why I was like, I need to see this. Like, I wanted to see that at that point, and I didn't see it. And, like, when I went to watch it with Mugga, I guess I wasn't paying attention to the dialogue after the fact. I was just, like, really hyper-focused looking for the other one because I was like, I don't remember seeing it. And you don't see it. You just don't. Yeah. It's not there. So, yeah. Shit blows up. Kylo Ren lets them escape for whatever reason and uh, he picks up the knife that they just found uh, they get on uh, Ochi's ship and they fly off into the asteroid belt Kylo Ren goes back to his ship or whatever and uh, Rey kind of has this whole you know depression about what she did to Chewie she's talking to Finn about like a vision she had in the forest when she was training the things she felt from the knife when she touched it she sees a vision of her being you know like the emperor or whatever and yeah. that's our second clue you know that she's yeah. related to, to Palpatine I don't understand the writing because it's just like here's Rey opening up to Finn about all the shit she's going through and my man can't tell her like yo I'm force sensitive like that's yeah. that's something you could text somebody like, 
Like yeah. you don't even have to have an intimate moment. But we see the Millennium Falcon being hauled off to Kylo Ren's Star Destroyer. This isn't the first time we see him, but we're introduced to uh, General Pride, played yeah. by Richard E. Grant. We saw him in the conference room prior. Hux is with him, telling him like, oh, we got the Falcon, we got a prisoner. And then you see Chewie. And I have a huge problem with the way this is cut because we know the audience that Chewie is alive before the main characters right. even know he's alive. Right. So when they cut back to the characters, they're like, oh, we have to go to Kajimi, you know, for Chewie, for Chewie. Let's do it for Chewie. And then you're in the audience like, but he's alive. Like yeah. this, this moment has no weight because we know he's alive. So they go to Kajimi, which is a place that Poe's been to. He used to be a spice runner. You know, it's a cool setting. I think it's a setting we haven't seen before in a Star Wars movie. It reminds me of like World War II, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense, like with like Nazi raids and shit like that, the way yeah. we're they're oh, dragging yeah. people out of their houses and stuff. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that. <coughs> they are called stormtroopers. Yes, that is true. Um, so they run into... Uh, they run into the Pink Ranger, and she shows up, <laughs> and she points a gun at Poe's head, and we're introduced to um, Zori Bliss. So she's got beef with Poe, and literally is about to turn them over to the First Order, pulls out a gun, then Ray kicks her ass, points a lightsaber at her, and then she says, not that you care, but I think you're okay, and then decides to help them. Yeah. What kind of writing is this? <laughs> yeah, that was very that was really cheesy. Yeah. And then everybody's problems were solved. It's just like, nah, man. Like, yeah. she put a gun on you. She was, if you had not kicked her ass, like, you guys would all be in the First Order's oh, custody. Yeah. That was right a pretty now. cool ass kicking, though. Yeah. That was a pretty dope ass kicking. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad she got her ass kicked because I didn't like her at that point. Yeah. You guys um, know who played Zori Bliss, who we never got to see Carrie except her Russell. eyes? Carrie Russell. Yep. I another. I was so amazed Felicity. when I read that. Do you like that they never actually show her face? They show sure, half eyes. of her face. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I like the little mystery element of it. I think it's kind of like what we talked about before where people are just excited to be in these films so they don't even they're just a stormtrooper in the background or yeah, someone right. in the rebel alliance just chilling back there Did you know we what say I mean? daniel like, craig is one of them yeah he, he was a stormtrooper uh, yeah in force Ray awakens yeah. yeah um yeah and this movie has a ton of cameos i didn't do the research to see who's in it so uh zori takes them to meet babu frick one of my favorite characters. I liked him. <laughs> he's, he's, he's cool. But they pass through a bar first, and the bartender is John Williams. Yay. So like the camera lingers on him. Yeah. He deserves it. Wasn't he in a in like the prequels or maybe I'm I tripping? Don't I don't. I think this yeah. is the first one. Okay, maybe this is the first one. Yeah. They come to the conclusion that they have to get rid of C-3PO's memory banks in order to dig out the Sith uh, artifact knowledge that they need to read. Finn asks C-3PO hey, doesn't R2 back up your memory? And then C-3PO says that R2 storage units are notoriously unreliable. Since when? Yeah. He's got the memories from like the prequels. <laughs> yeah, he re in, in A New Hope, he knows Obi-Wan. He saved Leia's message in A New Hope. He kept the Death Star plans hidden inside him the entire movie. <laughs> he had the second half of the map to Luke stored inside of him in The Force Awakens. Like, R2 is the most reliable character in all six movies, period. Yeah. Like, the, he I have does. a question, though, about this whole part, because they don't have the dagger, right? Kylo Ren took the dagger. Yeah. This is before they save Chewie. This is before they save Chewie. And get the dagger back. Yes. So they wipe his memory, mm -hmm. right? So he doesn't remember anything. To read. Yeah, to extract it, they have to wipe his memory. After right. they extract it, it's wiped, yeah. Yeah. But he reads it after he tells them after his memory is wiped because he has the capability he has the capability but how now. did he remember the message he's not reading it again TJ I didn't write this he, <laughs> yeah. he, he, wouldn't that message also be erased from his memory yeah. I thought they did something to him so he could recite it Mm -hmm. But then in doing that, that wiped his memory. So it was like, oh, after, got the it. Fact, so that's after how he read it, it. Uh, 
they, it was like a hard reset. Gotcha. Yeah, like his eyes turn red it. and okay. shit. Yeah. And he's just reading it out. Spit makes, it out. And yeah, yeah, because yeah, tech tech in the future reset. is backwards. They couldn't back up to the cloud or anything like that. It's just yeah. also real quick because it's gonna come up later. That we are introduced to another droid. Oh yeah, yeah. little funnel guy. What's his name? Um, Do. 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 Yeah. I kept thinking yeah. of a hair dryer every time I saw. I don't like him. I guess who voiced him? J.J. Abrams, right? Yeah, I didn't care too much for Babu Freak either because he. He reminded, he reminded me of like the aliens from Men in Black. You know, the little tiny one. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, okay. Is this a cameo or is this like... The problem with The Last Jedi is that we introduce so many characters. Even The Force Awakens, we introduce so many characters that don't go anywhere. In Last Jedi, we introduce characters that don't go anywhere. And in this movie, we're introducing more characters that don't go anywhere. Like yeah. Zori Bliss. <laughs> we introduced Babu Frick. We introduced Dio. And it's just like, did we need another droid? Like the only thing this droid has is the location of Exegol, right? Yeah. He has the location of Exegol. Like, the Wayfinder helps them get through the storm. Right. Like, that's the only reason he exists. Why couldn't BB-8 just download it from the ship? But they and didn't then, know that he had it at the time. Yeah, they didn't know, but I think... Until the very end. Yeah, I think from a story perspective, it's just like, why couldn't BB-8 just download it from Ochi's ship instead right. of having this little putt-putt walking around and shit? I don't know. Also, do droids just, like, end up following whoever they find? They're just like, okay, hi, I'm going to follow you from now on? Puppy it, dog syndrome, I guess? Yeah, it feels <laughs> like it. <laughs> I feel like there's a theme here that isn't explored. We talked about how um, L3 and Solo, there's this whole theme about robot liberation and being free from humans that never really gets explored. I feel like in this movie, we have an abused droid, kind of like how pets and animals can be abused by people and so they don't trust us. I feel like that is something that could have been explored in this movie, like what a droid does when it is treated wrongly yeah. by people. Yeah. Like that's something that's never really fully explored. So once again, I think it's another thing JJ wanted to touch on. He ain't got enough time. So, yeah. you know, Babu Frick is working on C-3PO. Zori and Poe kind of have their rooftop talk while Ray senses that Chewie's on the Star Destroyer above them or whatever. So let me get this straight. Zori, she's mad at him for leaving their crew to join the resistance, right? Join the Republic at the time. And Poe's ready to give up on their whole mission. He's just like, oh, I don't know if we can do it. We don't have allies. You know, last movie, Leia put out a signal and nobody responded because the writing was shitty. And he's ready to give up. And then Zori's just like, hey, man, here's my one ticket off this planet, my captain's medallion. You take it. That, that scene, yeah. it was so circumstantial. Like, okay, you need to get somewhere Here's how you're gonna do it automatically. Yeah. Here's what we just established two minutes ago. You can have it now. Yeah, and she's, <laughs> even though I was ready to turn you in. Yeah. Yeah, she's given up her dream in order for him to succeed on his mission. She motivates him by saying, the way they win is by making you think you're alone. And and I'm just like, you're mad at him for joining the resistance and you almost turned him into the space Nazis and now you're giving him your boarding pass. And it's your only way of getting off the planet. This character's all over the map. Yeah, and then surprise, surprise, she gets off she the fucking planet. Finds another way. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no stakes. Yeah. There's no stakes, there's no sacrifice in this fucking movie. Eh. It just happens too fast to like, too it would have happened throughout the movie and we saw them like together more maybe it would have made more sense, but it happened so quickly. You're just like, how do you just hand this over right after you had a, a gun point in his head like 20 minutes ago? It's crazy. That's no, crazy ass kicking really knocks you, you, you know another, yeah, you know another uh, important aspect of having Ziri Bliss in this film, right? 
to dispel any rumors of Finn Poe. That's right. Because yeah. <laughs> oh, you can't have Finn or Poe be gay. So you have to introduce a chick for each of them. Yeah. yeah. Even though, despite oh, wow. that, in the ending scene, they had to purposely show in the uh, lesbian kiss. Right. Oh, oh yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. But yeah, it just feels so forced. And even when they get off the planet, before they leave the planet, is the most cringeworthy dialogue in the movie. Poe's just like, can I kiss you? <laughs> Before they leave the planet. And all I could think about was like, is this the fucking room? <laughs> is this Denny? Tearing me apart, Zodi. Yeah, I'm just like, he's just like, can I kiss you? And then she's just like, nah. And he's like, okay. And then he does that same thing again at the end of the movie. And yeah, I'm he just, gives it that little eye look. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, this is all reactionary. <laughs> everything, everything about this relationship between these two is fucking reactionary. He's just like, okay, because I am straight though. Just so you yeah. Know. <laughs> It's just yeah. like, it's just like, hey, you know, Finn, Finn met Rose in the last movie because, you know, we can't have him be gay. Finn's got to meet Janna in this movie because he can't be gay. Poe's got to fucking hit on Zori twice because he can't be gay. It's just like, it's but just we like, have to throw in that lesbian kiss to show that we are okay with gay yeah. people. It's yeah. not our main characters. Yeah, it's something that's easy to cut out. Yeah. So. As long as our main characters are yeah. okay. Yeah. As long as you fringe people remain on the fringe, we can't, we can't have that in this movie. As long as we can cut it out for international audiences. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think in, uh, in Singapore... <laughs> Somewhere else. And other places, yeah, like in Singapore, they yeah, they cut out that part. In video games, China has crazy regulations. Like no bones can be showed, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. No magic, time travel. No ghosts. Yeah, no ghosts. Yeah. We'll get into that. Nothing that could generate the imagination. Yeah. So, you know, I think you brought it up, TJ. Singapore, I think if you have any elements that reference or display anything relating to the LGBTQ community, it's an automatic 18 plus rating. And if you have any sort of uh, homosexual interactions between two men in any capacity, it's automatic 21 and over rating. So they cut that out in that region specifically. I don't know about the other regions. They cut the kiss out. They didn't want an R rating, essentially. They wanted to keep right. it PG-13 and, you know, money. Like, let's, that's just yeah. the yeah. name of the game is money. He said 21 and over for two males kissing. Yeah, if it's if between it's two, two men, males, it's, it's automatically 21 and over. But if it's two females... It's like it's a gray area. Yeah, it's like a gray area for their rating Jesus. system. Yeah. They go up to the First Order Star Destroyer. Um, this is the third time we're infiltrating the First Order. <laughs> Can these guys get a ring or something? ADT, help these guys out. Um, so they sneak onto the Star Destroyer. Ray goes for the dagger. And then uh, Finn and Poe go for Chewie. They end up rescuing him, but they get caught. Ray goes to Kylo Ren's quarters, and she finds the dagger there. I don't remember what happens, but I think her just being there, Kylo Ren reaches out with the force and they, they talk. I don't know if she does anything to trigger that, yeah. but she does see the Vader mask and then they talk. I can't for the life of me remember what they talked about. Do you guys remember? No. At all? No. Okay, so. You don't remember after three times. Was it just more like, join me again? Yeah, it was kind of like, oh, because, that offer you refused. Because yeah. like, uh, yeah, because after, I know Palpatine tells him to kill Ray, but he never actually really tries to kill Ray. He just kind of yeah. more goes on the like, come on, join me. I think it's yeah. like after the like, maybe I'm wrong. Like next time I offer my hand, you'll take it or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think at some point he says that. And yeah. yeah, it wasn't until they get to the wreckage of the Death Star that they actually have like a real like, this is going to be the final confrontation right. type yeah. atmosphere. 
I like that they have that fight that crosses over. Mm-hmm. We talked about this earlier. It's a cool way to go from step to step. You kind of show the uh, kind of the most basic version of it with snatching the necklace. Yeah. On the whole other end of the spectrum is literally pieces of the environment falling everywhere. It's one of the coolest looking uh, sequences in the movie. Them having that fight against like the dark and rugged background against like the stark white sterile quarters of Kylo Ren, which I thought was really cool. And I did like that because I didn't really get fleshed out until I saw that when he's like, "That's where you are." That they couldn't fully see where mm-hmm. the other person was. It's not until he sees the mask, right. yeah, which is cool. Um, it's funny because they literally just traded places. You think they'd see each other on the way down, <laughs> which is it's like like being on an escalator. Like, yeah. oh hey, um, our other heroes get caught. So we got a. Uh, Poe, Finn, and Chewie, they get caught by um, the stormtroopers, and then the stormtroopers are about to execute the three. Poe says, hey, what were you going to tell Rey back then? And then Finn still doesn't want to open his mouth. Like, you were with Leia not too long ago on the same planet. Like, don't you think at some point you would tell her, like, yo, Leia, Master Leia, I'm force sensitive, and so she could train you too? That would have been a dope reveal as you're saying that. Like, instead of what happening happens mm-hmm. is if Finn, like, does something, like, he talks to, he talks them down or convinces them to leave or he does some kind of force push or something and then he looks at Poe and is just like, I'm force sensitive. Like, that would have been a cheer That moment, would have been right a bigger there. reveal than but, yeah. Hux. Yeah. Hux being the, the, the spy. I'm the spy. Which, like, which, which arc does, does, like which eventually right goes nowhere else. Well, yeah, which is a terrible arc. I just didn't, I mean, his one-liner says, oh, I don't care if you guys win. I just want to see Kylo Ren move. I didn't think that was enough of an explanation to fucking betray the, being right. like a high-ranking general in the First Order. It comes down to pettiness. Yeah. yeah. Also, wouldn't Leia sense the Force in Finn if he was sensitive? Yeah. It's something that... I, remember, I don't know. It's something, it's just, I'm still not convinced got, that that was a secret. It all makes sense. I know right? that that's what all the articles were saying, but I'm not convinced. If it's not explicitly said in the movie, it's literally just us reaching at this yeah. point. Yeah. Like, which which sucks. all speculating. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, yo, a lot of the speculation Shit, is much better. Shit, he could have said, I'm gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's... <laughs> yo, they could have just they could have just been right there. They could have yeah. just hooked up right there. Like, yeah. he could have just grabbed Poe and said, this is what I want to tell <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we could have went in a whole different direction. This is why... This is why I didn't want Rose to come. Next time. He's like, next he's time. Like, next time. <laughs> he told Leia, he's just like, hey, can you have Rose look at these schematics before we piece out? If you could just make sure she doesn't come, that would be yeah, crazy. Don't let her come through. I need to be alone with Poe. Yeah. You know, Hux, you know, like you said, I don't care who wins, I want Kylo Ren to lose. Please. You know, we've had this dude for two movies now. Can we please get a little deeper than that? please like to what end like it would have been cool if maybe he saw the light maybe Kylo Ren's going too far maybe he wanted to be supreme leader himself which is offset by another character that's introduced entirely literally takes his place Uh, General Pride yeah uh, Yeah. who I feel was a much better Hux yeah yeah like if you put him in that role uh, him or the the dreadnought commander from Last Jedi, like the bigger English dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I felt like one of those guys should have been Hux because they are way more intimidating. It's a total <laughs> waste of Hux's character. Did you even need General Pride in this movie? No. Why couldn't Hux just be that guy? But Hux lets them go. Finn shoots him in the knee. Because um, he says to make it look like yeah. you escaped, you yeah. guys have to shoot me. He says yeah. shoot me in the arm. Finn shoots him in the leg. Ha ha ha. I think I've seen that done a million times before. In the movie. Yeah. He just gets shot in the gut. And, By Pride. Uh, or does he have one of his men do it? No, Pride does okay. it. He yeah. takes the rifle from the stormtrooper. And um, then he says, we found the spy, right? But yeah. he says it like half into the camera. Yeah. And that's another thing I want to talk about. There's so much into the camera dialogue, especially concerning that character. It's just like when Ray turns on her lightsaber and then Poe turns on his flashlight, it's like directly into yeah. the camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a, a, another question. So 
I think there's other ways they could have gotten this information about the emperor still being alive without needing a spy. But also, I was willing to accept that there was a spy and had no concern with who it was or what their motivations were. Were you guys like that far into the movie like, oh, I wonder who that spy is that was alluded to in the opening crawl? Never. No. It's it, To me, this is like a perfect example of them trying to like shoehorn so many different plot points in that don't really serve any other purpose other than just to like maybe keep you guessing. But I wasn't even guessing. I was just like, oh, they got a message and like, it wasn't whatever. like a ooh ah like wow no, like, it was reveal like, kind of okay. like kind of like you know finding out. And that, I feel you know, like one of the one of the reviews that I read, and I feel like maybe a lot of audience members felt the same way is there was just so much going on in this movie. Like you can't be blamed for not caring halfway through and just right. kind of sitting back and saying like, all right, let's go on the ride. Yeah, it's like just an enjoy the ride thing. Leave your yeah. It's, I remember watching Force Awakens and having so many questions because it could go anywhere. Like where are they gonna flesh this out? Who's this gonna be? Like what's gonna what's gonna happen with this guy? And since the Force Awakens, I've just haven't felt that way. Right. My expectations are just kind of like, if they answer some, they do. If they don't, yeah. whatever. Like, at yeah. this point. I mean, I know we're critiquing it now for the sake of this episode, but, like, while I'm in the theater, I'm just like, well, that didn't get explained. Well, that didn't get explained. Oh, they explained that. Didn't really need that. Why is this? Right. Like, I'm just I'm just letting it hit me because I, I don't give a fuck at this point. Do you just yeah. think that you owe it to Star Wars to, like, kind of finish it? I mean, like, I loved it so much. Prequel, and then I got into the... But this, I just, I feel like I'm doing because I owe it to Star Wars. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't. I feel like I have to go. Yeah, you have to. Mm-hmm. I'm not really understanding. Do I want to go? I don't know. It's weird. It's like you have to see how it ends after all this type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Especially because they keep saying, which I think is another point that drives you there of like, well, this will be the end of the Skywalker saga. Don't you want to see how it ends? Everything up until now, this is the it. It's not like after Infinity War where you know shit has to be like wrapped up yeah. and they're going to explain. Because Infinity War left, you want a huge cliffhanger. Thanos won. Like, yeah. even, you have to go see what happens next. Even uh, Ant Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel, you're just like, holy shit, how are these going to fit into the next movie you know that created more buildup with this like you know since last jedi and you know us we review movies so we know a lot of behind the scenes stuff because we do this podcast and as fans of movies in general so like knowing the behind the scenes stuff knowing that they didn't have a plan you kind of walk into this like Let's let's hope they gave a half-ass effort. Yeah. I'm yeah. gonna give a half-ass yeah, effort. Like, I mean, that's kind of the that's way I great. look at it. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah it's like if you half-ass the movie, I'm a half-ass my expectations, yeah. and that's yeah. pretty much how it feels. Um, so everybody gets off free. They get in the Falcon, raising the other hangar, and Kylo Ren confronts her. Then he tells her, "Hey, I told you your parents were nobody because they chose to be nobody." You're a Palpatine. You're the granddaughter of Emperor Palpatine. And it doesn't sting like that, no, I'm your father scene from Empire. Okay. One thing I do want to bring up, though, Kylo Ren does say that you know more than you let on. He tells her that in some way she knows what her lineage is. Because if you go back to Force Awakens, when BB-8 asks who she is, she says, oh, me too, big secret, as they walk off into the desert. So there's something she knew about herself and Kylo Ren kind of points it out. Like, you know more than you want to let on. Here's the other thing. Uh, So she's Palpatine's grandkid. I did a lot of math, so get ready. When the hell did Palpatine have a son? Because it said her dad was Palpatine's son, right? Yeah. The same question you're saying is what I'm like, but how? Like, you understand how Luke and Leia are made. Yeah. How is this Because what was the gap between episode six and seven time-wise? Let me get to you right now. All right, so... Return of the Jedi, right, is roughly 30 years prior to this, this sequel trilogy, right? Last Jedi takes place the next day, like right after Force Awakens. And then this movie takes place one year after Last Jedi, exactly one year. So Return of the Jedi was 30 years prior to this. 
and Ray is about 20 years old during this trilogy, you know, according to Wikipedia. She was born about 10 years after Return of the Jedi and left on Jakku about six years after that. So 16 years after Return of the Jedi, that's when she was abandoned on Jakku by her parents. 16 years after Return of the Jedi. The actor that plays her father, Billy Howell, he's about 30 years old when this movie is filmed. So let's just assume that her dad was 30 when he abandoned her on Jakku and when her parents were killed. This means that if he's 30 years old at that time, during Return of the Jedi, he's 14 years old. The Battle of Endor in Return of the Jedi, the end of the movie, takes place four years after the Battle of Yavin in A New Hope. In A New Hope, the Empire had only existed for 19 years up to that point, following the events of Revenge of the Sith. If Palpatine's son was killed 16 years after Return of the Jedi, then he was 14 during the events of Return of the Jedi, which makes him 10 years old during the events of A New Hope, which means that he was conceived and or born nine years after Revenge of the Sith. That means that unless the Emperor cloned himself, some poor unfortunate human woman had to have sexual relations <laughs> with this greasy nutsack of a man nine years after Order 66. After his disfigurement. Yeah, so he was having sex nine years after Revenge of the Sith. Maybe, maybe forced conception is like a... Forced? Hashtag <laughs> 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 me too. Yeah, unless he used the midi-chlorians. I don't know. If his uh, partner was like one of his <laughs> acolytes of the Sith, then why did his son turn out to be such a normal... Everyday guy. Yeah. <laughs> the one shot we saw of him. Justin, like I'm gonna tell dude. you I'm gonna tell you what I told TJ. I didn't write this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write this. But how do you guys feel about Palpatine having a kid? Because don't you feel that changes things a little bit? Yeah. He's a dad now. It just kind of brings it all back to the original thing, right? Like it's always been about the Skywalkers and what's his name? Who? Palpatine. Palpatine? Yeah. Yeah, Palpatine. Oh, okay. I, when I said it, it sounded like Ovaltine. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like that's not right. Or Ovaltine. <laughs> I was like, that's not right. <laughs> no, no, TJ, that's that's how he gets Sorry. the girls to okay. his place. They're just like, more, more Palpatine, please. Yeah. <laughs> I like you, who. <laughs> So it like brings it all back to like just the original families that we were originally talking about. But it also feels a little bit like, okay, we have this bad guy. We need to kind of, we talked about earlier, like how it doesn't seem very well thought out that he's back. Uh, it just seems like we kind of have to like shove him in here somehow. And that's what this kind of felt like too, because it definitely was not that like jaw dropping moment that I'm assuming it was when uh, Darth Vader said that he was Luke's father. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cause like they just had to made, make race somebody in this universe. It goes all towards the end or it goes towards the theme of this movie. I think Leia even says something to her on her training one t at one point of, you know who you are. Or it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? You know, you don't are be afraid who of who you are. Right. Don't be afraid of who you are. I think that's the line that's the foreshadowing of this and also it's what leads to oh that's why the movie's called the rise of skywalker especially yeah. with that ending i also I'm think choosing too, who like, i am type of thing we spent the last two movies wondering who ray actually is it has to be a payoff even though this didn't probably didn't get the fan reaction that i'm sure they were expecting this is like the biggest yeah it's the biggest this payoff. is the best yeah, like, payoff that you could think of because who else could she be yeah. and I think and I think we talked about it one of the two Disney episodes like personally I kind of prefer that Ray's not related to anybody at yeah. this point yeah. I feel like if you're gonna wrap up the story you know wrap up that family with an outsider because like that last movie was called The Force Awakens and to your point Justin you know you brought this up multiple times like I felt like that movie was the force 
making all these people force sensitive because maybe balance needed to be brought back. Right, like it was sort of rebirthing itself in a type of way. Yeah, like the stormtroopers having the force, Ray having the force. I kind of felt like if you're gonna follow the themes of that movie as well as The Last Jedi, like you don't need to be somebody special to kind of be a hero. And I kind of feel like this, in a way, tosses that out the window. I can't say it does it completely because Finn and the stormtroopers, like Janna and the other ones that defected, they all kind of have like force sensitivity. So I, I won't say it throws it out the window completely, but I was always kind of hoping, even before Last Jedi came out, that Rey wasn't related to anybody because then it raises too many questions and then I gotta fucking be doing math at like one in the morning <laughs> on Wikipedia and shit. Family trees and shit. Yeah, like it was not, it was not easy. Uh, Kylo Ren, he finally explains why he wants Rey on his side. Uh, he says that they're a dyad in the Force and the Emperor doesn't know this. So I looked it up. Thank you, Wikipedia. A dyad in the Force is when two Force-sensitive beings share a unique Force bond, uh, connecting their minds across space and time. So they get to you know send objects, all that other shit. Uh, physically, they're two separate beings, but in the Force, they are one, with their power being as strong as life itself, amplifying their abilities over time. That being said, I don't understand why Kylo Ren just doesn't kill Palpatine on his own first. Then he could team up with Rey whenever he wants, because it seems like Palpatine's a much bigger threat anyway. Yeah. And plus, by the end of the movie, Palpatine just wanted to get killed anyway, right? If Kylo Ren was willing to kill you at the beginning of the movie, why don't you just let him kill you? Because according to you, all the Sith would just exist in him anyway. And no, he's I, already strong with the dark side. I think side. it needed it to be like a blood relative or something. Okay. Or that's what I assumed. And he his, doesn't say that. And I could I could go with that. And I think that would be great if he didn't want Kylo Ren to come after her. But right. to your point, Justin, maybe he wanted to send Kylo Ren after her so she could fall to the dark side. Right. It, that's the other thing about this movie is it just leaves you with a lot of... I guess assumptions you have to make. Yeah. yeah. But also, um, I was going to ask you, was this the first time in, I guess, or I don't know if it's been explored in non-movie canon about the Sith being able to reside in one being like Palpatine? Um, this is the first time that I can recollect, at least in the movies, that he's talked about Sith from generation past residing in him and, you know, sort of giving him power. Okay, this is the first time I've heard of that. Like, we know, like, the rule of two, right? right. Darth, Darth Bane right. is like, there's only two Sith. I was unaware of the concept of all previous Sith transferring their power to the next one. I was unaware of that completely. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a new thing made up. Star Wars fans, if you're listening, I, th I, I think, don't know. I know there is in like EU stuff that's been discredited of how like old Sith Lords were like possessing, you know, untrained Jedi kind of thing. But I, I mean, that's old EU stuff that's been discredited now. So, I mean, that's probably a take on it, but yeah. Yeah, because I know, I know even in the new stuff, like, ancient Sith can like possess artifacts or <laughs> exist in like Sith temples and all that shit yeah. and they can come back to life in some sort of way but yeah. I've never heard of all the previous it's Sith being transferred transfer, yeah like a transference yeah yeah cause if that's the case then when Darth Sidious killed Darth Plagueis like yeah. did all the Sith go to him yeah. you know how how does all right. that it shit opens work a really huge door potentially yeah. yeah I feel like there's a lot of things that are just said or introduced here that in retrospect should have been added throughout an entire nine movie narrative but hey it's, it's midi-chlorians all over again in a debate <laughs> <laughs> one thing I found confusing um, was the uh, the big audience Palpatine had in the end of the movie yeah. I couldn't tell if they were actually people there like his followers who had been on that planet and built his ships and whatnot or if that was him spiritually manifesting all the Sith that had or now residing they in the past. They don't even like 
touch on it, even like visually yeah. or even anything, even at you the know? end, yeah. you can't tell when it's crumbling. Yeah. You can't tell if it's his energy crumbling or the physical building crumbling. And, and, and you hear yeah. them chanting and all that. But yeah, I'm like what the hell? I mean, is it's a, it? it's know? a cool scene, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't. So is this his spiritual manifestation, or is this his followers that have been building his ships and shit? It just goes back to it. Always seems like Palpatine never really needed anybody else to carry out this final order. So I, I'm very unclear on what everybody's motivations are in this movie. Like it is so, it's so tough because everywhere you look, there's a loophole. Every single person has a loophole in their motivations where you could easily just walk up and be like, Hey man, you don't need to do this, do it this way. And then they'll be like, Hey, you're right. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and then, and then the movie's over. I don't, I don't know if any, you guys have ever seen the Avatar, the last airbender, the Nickelodeon series. No, no. Um, I keep drawing parallels between the star Wars franchise and this in my head. Every time I go back is to like, basically it's, it's similar of there's like a force energy, except it manifests as elements like four air, fire, earth, uh, yeah. water. Everyone can bend, you know, one, but, uh, only the avatar who gets uh, reincarnated every generation can bend all four. And it's his job to be kind of the spiritual leader of the people and stuff like that mm-hmm. and to remain neutral. But um, that's a great series. Anyone who hasn't seen it, I highly recommend if you've got a weekend, a couple weekends to kill to watch it. But it's a great series. It has this whole story, very long, like three, four seasons. And then it like reboots a couple years later as like the next reincarnation, the next Avatar. But rather than doing the sort of same thing, like it's sort of her fish out of water, finding her way story, which I think Star Wars could have gotten a lot from. I would love to see Rey have done something like that of her finding her way. So basically all the airbenders die because the Fire Nation kills them. And then later that sort of spirituality rebirths itself by suddenly people who can never bend elements can bend air. Like people are just airbending again. I would have loved to see something like that with the force. Yeah, that'd be Of like cool. the force. If the force itself in its malevolence to maintain balance checks Palpatine or rebirths itself after the, after the Sith uh, genocide, if you will, it just spreads itself, manifesting itself in people. And this is Rey's journey. This is her purpose of not what we always assume Luke's would be of rebuilding the Jedi, but it's, it falls on Rey now to be the sort of spiritual leader, which would have been great to see with all the ex stormtroopers, yeah. hell, even the stable kids, like just training and finding a new thing. Not maybe, not even necessarily the Jedi, but just them finding their way like that was Ray being pointed to as like the spiritual leader of the rebirthed force would have been like an amazing sort of plot point to go towards. And they, they talk about this in episode one because they talk about, I believe he was created by the force itself like right. with Anakin. And then, so I was always under the impression that either a, you know, the force is correcting things because like the first order is around Snoke is here, you know, Luke's um, apprentice has gone bad. Is the force self-correcting itself by giving force powers to certain right. people or is Rey another chosen one like Anakin? Like, yeah, Anakin saved the day, but now we need a new one because shit's fucked up again. Because like, yeah. if we look at the Force as fans, we want it to be that big spiritual, almost sort of godlike power as opposed to just metachlorians. We don't want the science. We want the sort of... I guess, you want the Yoda. Right. You want, want the, the Yoda of behind it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want... I'm going to give you a blood test and right. tell you see if you got how, herpes and metachlorians. <laughs> So Ray gets away. Once again, Palpatine, you know, we talked about this earlier. He threatens Kylo Ren and says, oh, maybe I should turn my fleet against you once again. Like, then why do you need Kylo Ren? Yeah. Um, they travel to Kef Beer uh, based on what they got from 3PO. And that's the ocean moon of Endor. So same planet, different moon. So they go down there and they find the remains of uh, the second Death Star. 
this is the part of the movie where I feel like things start to feel like they're constructed better as well as the biggest bullshit piece in the movie. The biggest <laughs> bullshit piece in the movie is that dagger because they just happen to land oh. on the one side of the wreckage. Ray doesn't have to take a step back, turn left or right. She doesn't have to do any of that. She just holds up the dagger and finds the exact uh, piece National of the... treasure, right yeah, there, yeah, Yeah. Now with we the, find out the, there's like an extension. There's like a protractor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. protractor extension. Like, yeah. <laughs> the protractor comes out, but I'm just like... Against the most iconic part of the wreckage. So somebody made this dagger. Okay, two things. Either this dagger was made before the Death Star was ever built. Maybe it's an ancient weapon. Or it's so new that somebody went to Kefbeer, traced the fucking outline of the Death Star to make sure that like that's where the Sith Wayfinder was within the last 30 years, (laughs) gave it to this guy, and then it got left on the planet. Let's say, hypothetically, Kylo Ren got the Kefbeer Wayfinder, and they had to go to Mustafar. So would the Mustafar, would the knife also show them the same shape on Mustafar? <laughs> how, how could we ever be sure that the fucking Death Star would break in the exact way that this knife would need to take or the shape of the wreckage? Yeah. yeah. Also, what if, if the dagger was made after the wreckage, why wouldn't they have moved the Wayfinder to a safer place? that maybe wasn't disintegrating I'm, in the ocean. Yeah, I'm going to leave this right here where nobody ever goes. Right. <laughs> yeah. What if the waves, like what if it floated off? They never heard of erosion. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like the tides. Weathering. Weathering. Yeah, just. Uh, My favorite is the like, she didn't have to step back. She she just, <laughs> she didn't even step, take one yeah. step right. She's just like, she what? was right there. They walked right upon it. What if they were in like a gulf and it was on the other side of the yeah. Death Star. They just weren't going to try. What if multiple parts of the Death Star had that same shape? It's like they totally could have used like a force thing of her like having to use the force to open the knife. Just something to explain it more instead of just the convenience or like of like feeling said, it. Right I don't know. There. The other thing I was going to say is like, do you guys ever look at something from far away and then try to get to that same exact spot? You can't do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you lose your spot in something that huge. You lose your place. Yeah. Unless she, like, dropped a pin. Yeah. 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 There's... Yeah. yeah, that is like the deadest on. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and here's where I think the movie should have maybe gone in a different direction. Why couldn't this have been Mustafar? Why couldn't this dagger taken them to Mustafar? Maybe Kylo Ren found the Sith Wayfinder somewhere else at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And the place they go to is either Mustafar, which would make sense because it's a built facility that doesn't just happen to be shaped like the knife. It could be shaped like the knife on purpose and then it would be less convoluted or it could just be another Sith temple. They could go to Korriban or some other planet or whatever. It could just be a Sith temple or a force temple like Oh, nostalgia. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she, I will say, go. like, these yeah, waves, yeah. like, everything about this whole sequence is so cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, so, not owning it, but it's me surfing, you know, the best part sometimes, surf, shut the hell up, to <laughs> is that when there's a big wave coming and you're trying to get over it, and it really exemplifies this when Ray's going up and over down the back. It's, like, the coolest thing. I literally, like, brought back all these memories of surfing when I, I don't know, I, I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, okay, we were doing yeah, Trash so. or Treasure, like, it's a treasure of mine. I think it's so cool, you know. They actually showed it. It wasn't just like, oh, she's going to go across this water that's like just so. So the physics was yeah, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they, they kind of like, hey, she's going to, you know, do this. Yeah. And it's kind of cool. Yeah. And it but, looks cool. I'm not yeah, going to front. Yeah, yeah. Like, it definitely looks cool when she climbs up. Yo, this girl never gets fucking tired. She climbing and shit. She just got in a fight, jumped out of a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit to the fight with Kylo Ren, but I kind of like that Obi-Wan and Anakin are like fighting in lava yeah. and then lava, they're fighting yeah. in yeah. water. water. Just yeah. like the juxtaposition of those two. Yeah. This felt a lot like the Mustafar fight yeah. when they yeah. start fighting. And we'll talk about when she goes into the chambers, but it has that epic scale without the silliness of like swinging from hot ropes that'll skin your fingers, yeah. you know? Did you guys also read that like the color schemes used in each of these three movies are very specific. Did you read about this? Like even from the the movie posters, the first like episode uh, seven was supposed to be very yellow. Yeah, the episode I did get eight that, yeah. was supposed to be very red. red. Yeah. You see, red. and then this, one this episode was supposed to be very blue. blue. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah like, again, you see. In the ocean. Yeah, even the titling was like I said, it felt like a blue scheme. I could tell. I can even get that from, from the trailers. Oh, episode eight. Is well, the, very, yeah, the Rise of Skywalker was in a yeah. blue outline. Wasn't yeah. um, the Last, Last Jedi, Jedi in red? red. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I think I think it's most notable, and it's a good thing you brought that up. I didn't remember that at all, so I'm glad you brought it up. But yeah, the Last Jedi is like very red. Like yeah. all the marketing is red. The titling is red. Everything about that movie is like either monotone or red. Yeah. Everything about that movie. And kind of going back a little bit to uh, when Rey goes to the throne room, when she first enters, uh, it's the music when Darth Vader takes off his mask before he dies when Luke talks to him. So it's the same piece of music, which I thought was really cool. Um, Then she goes into, you know, the side chambers. It opens up and then uh, she snatches the Sith Wayfinder. And then I feel like this is a better Force Cave expedition than the one she had in the last movie. Oh, yeah. Because in the last movie, I felt like it just came out of nowhere with snapping her fingers and then, who are my parents, parents, parents? (laughs) And I kind of feel, and, you know, Justin and I, we talked about that feeling like kind of shoehorned in and only because of fan speculation. Where with this, I feel like it is much more relevant to her character and the plot considering the circumstances because she just found out she's a Palpatine She's been struggling with the amount of power she has. You know, is she on the verge of going to the dark side, et cetera? And so the first thing she does is see an evil version of herself. I thought they did a great job on that. Yeah, yeah. and she has to fight herself. You know, I, I still don't care about, you know, stapler, lightsaber or whatever. Yeah. But um, I thought it was, even though it was much shorter, I felt like it was more relevant to what was happening because, you know, Luke, he fought Vader with himself inside the mask and empire because, you know, there's a potential relation to Vader and also his potential to fail and fall to the dark side. In this movie, Rey fights an evil version of herself because of her own fears of potentially falling to the dark side based on her lineage. So I feel like although it's much shorter and really kind of glossed over in a sense, um, I feel like it's a much more relevant, you know, maybe effective Force Cave expedition than the one she had in the last movie where it felt shoehorned in. And see, I want to ask you guys, do you feel like, especially with that image being in the trailer and Palpatine sort of laughing in the trailer, this is another reason why the reveal of who she is is super underwhelming because you kind of saw it coming a million miles away with this trailer. It was setting it up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Or is it just, or is it just that, like you said, you were burned by the end of this? <laughs> just like, what? I just kind of like, long for the ride, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is, again, because of the trailer montage, it just sort of set it up like that this was going to happen. So Ray, after she has her force vision, you know, her uh, force cave kind of adventure, she falls out of the cave, drops the Sith Wayfinder, and then uh, it rolls into Kylo Ren's hand. Like he he finds it on the ground and picks it up. And then um, he has it. And (laughs) I just have to say this because I laugh every time I see it. He has it and she's just like, give it to me. And then his face is just like, oh. And then, and then she says it again, give it to 
And I'm just like, this is the horniest shit I've ever seen in a fucking Star Wars. Like, this shit is high key horny. I've never seen this much like sexual tension in a Star Wars movie because it just felt so weird. So he has the Wayfinder. He crushes it. Ray gets pissed off, obviously. And then um, they fight a little bit. Kylo Ren jumps down a hole and then this whole kind of fight along the uh, debris pathway kind of starts. And I got to say right off the bat, um, one thing I do appreciate about this movie is that for the most part, they don't use set pieces from previous films. They use the literal set of the Emperor's throne room, right? But it's in the wreckage or whatever, but it's not staged in the same way. Kind of like how you had the trench run in Force Awakens or the throne room scene in Last Jedi where it's like a literal rip. This movie feels like the set pieces are actually of their own. They don't rely on anything previously. And we could talk about that at the end of the movie. It feels like we're doing things that haven't necessarily been done to death, if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, they're in the Emperor's throne room, but the fight doesn't play out the same way. Like it's fan service without being so overt or a direct rip of a scene, which I appreciate. And I think that's what you want the most yeah. out of these. Yeah, that's what I want. Like that's the kind of fan service you're looking for. Yeah, I think that's fan service done well, as opposed to let's just blow up another Death Star. Um, so Kylo Ren jumps through a hole. Ray jumps in after him, and they start this fight along the broken ruins of the Death Star too. Finn and Janna, they also get a skimmer. Uh, I think we talked about this already, but Finn meets Janna finds out that her and her allies are all ex-stormtroopers that kind of woke up from their programming. Uh, Janna says that they were a battle of something island, I can't remember what place, and they left the First Order, they disobeyed their orders, and they came here. And then Finn tells Janna that, hey, you know, what you felt, that feeling, that was the Force. And another hint that Finn is Force-sensitive. And I think this movie kind of starts to delve into one of the main themes, which is, um, or one of its main themes, which is that it doesn't matter how much bad you have done, there's always the capacity to do good and make good choices. Because we see that with Poe being a, a spice runner. It's shoehorned in this movie, but we talk about that. Especially we, with Ray. Yeah, especially with Ray. There's also Finn being an ex-stormtrooper and him meeting an ex-stormtrooper regiment. We're going to get to it soon, but Kylo Ren going back to the light side of the force. Uh, we get back to the fight. Ray and Kylo, they're going at it. I kind of like this fight. It's got that like gritty one-on-one feel, which is what I appreciated from The Force Awakens, where they're just in that quiet forest. There's no obstacles. It's just one-on-one. But I also like TJ's point when he says that it's the exact opposite of the Mustafar fight, where instead of the flames and the fire and all that stuff, now you have the water, the complete... I, I thought that was kind of... I didn't even realize that until he said it, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of cool, you know, where it's like the water plays such a part in this fight, you know, the exact opposite of lava, fire, whatever you're thinking of. And this is like one of the parts I was like most excited to see again when you and I went to go watch yeah. the mugs. Like I was like looking forward to this part again just because it's such a cool environment that they're in. It's the waves crashing, the way Kylo Ren walks out and it's just like through the waves and stuff like that. I don't know. It's a cool fight. It might be a little over the top and, and stuff. You could probably pick it apart to death, but I, I thought it was a pretty pretty fun part to watch. Yeah, I don't think it's over the top at all. I think Especially it's... if we compare it to that lava fight. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the lava fight, the lava fight was just too doing too much it that was so extra awesome. and i feel like this fight is just right it's ve- it's very natural if yeah. That, yeah is that the word i'm looking for i guess yeah it's I, ground I, almost grounded in reality yeah. it feels like it's realistic because it's not in the like, prequel he said okay we've had lightsabers now let's put yoda and and, and let's just go over the top which we liked i i, I did i can't speak for yeah. everyone else when you get to these it's like well where do you go from here and yeah i mean i i don't know i i thought this fight 
is definitely the best of the Disney era, I guess, in my opinion. I don't know. Well, because it literally is the film doing its strengths, which is the visual. Yeah. Like, everything's yeah. toned down, all the music, like you're saying, not yeah. a lot of dialogue, just the waves, the symbols, everything about this just looks gorgeous. And mm-hmm. in the fight scene, it really excels. Yeah, and you can see just the intensity of it all because there's no music and it's right. just sound effects. Like, there's no music, huh? For the first part of the fight, there's no music. That's cool. I, I didn't all. notice that, yeah. Yeah, which I love. Like I said in the prequel episode, I wish the Mustafar fight was like this, where it's just one-on-one going at it and two people are just... like the sound of the... I, John, I, I don't know. I, I really like that soundtrack. I mean, the score is cool, but yeah. like the fight just gets so out of hand. It does. That it I'm does, just like, yeah. is this a video game or is this a movie? Yeah. See, comparatively, I love the soundtrack on Phantom Menace and that fight scene. Well, Oh, yeah. uh, Duel the Fates, right? Yeah, yeah. That, like, that, you know, alternatively, one where the score did excellent with the fight scene. Yeah, and that fight wasn't extra. It was just like, wow, this is what three skilled people look like fighting as opposed to, I don't know, like Super Mario level. Right, because it's yeah. a shit happened. Well, it's the first time we'd seen that, too. Three skilled Jedi versus a Sith Master, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. actually fight at that level. I'll give this movie credit. I think the easiest way to top something that's so bombastic and extra is to go the opposite end of the spectrum where you have a more intimate way of doing right. things. Yeah. And I think um, that was that was a good choice to not go too over the edge with a lot of these lightsaber fights, which is which is really cool. Less is more. So they're, they're fighting, and uh, at the end of the fight, Leia takes herself out of a meeting with her troops or whatever, I think, and she goes off to you know die, essentially. She's gonna attempt to use all of her Force powers to reach out to Ben through the Force. I can go with this because I just saw Luke die doing almost the same thing in the previous movie. It was a technique that killed him. So I think Leia is kind of doing the same thing here where she's reaching out to Ben through the force from across the galaxy, wherever she may be. So Ben is distracted enough to hear his mother, whatever influence she has upon him has greatly affected him. And he's distracted to the point where Ray can grab the lightsaber that he dropped, turn it on and stab him through the abdomen, right? And then, you know, Leia dies after making contact with him. And in that moment, um, you know, he stabbed, Ray realizes what she's done. And she also realizes that Leia has died. She could sense it through the force as well. Ray confesses to him like, hey, you know, when you said that you wanted me to take your hand, Last Jedi, She's like, I did want to take your hand, Ben's hand. So remember all of Last Jedi, she's talking about how there's still hope for him. He could still be brought back. Luke shouldn't make that decision for him. The whole reason she went to the throne room for Snoke was because she felt that she had the ability to convert Kylo back to the good side. And even after Snoke is killed by Kylo, she's still trying to pull him back. She admits that to Kylo Ren. She runs off in his ship and takes off and goes to Act 2, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But before she does that, uh, she heals him. She heals the wound, saves his life, and runs off. Um, in a moment of reflection, Kylo Ren is you know, standing along the ledge of the broken debris, looking out at the waves, and then he hears a voice that's like, hey, kid. And when I was in the theater, I was like, oh, okay, this is Ghost Luke, right? Then he turns around, and it's Han Solo. I did not expect Yeah, I did not, did not expect film. that at all. Everything else was like, okay, expected this. We know that, you know, Ray's a Palpatine, blah, blah, blah. But that was the one scene where I was like, he's in this film? Like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, okay. Other than Chewie dying, I got finger quotes. Yeah. Like, that was the only other time I was surprised, like, genuinely surprised in this movie. Or I was like, oh, shit. They brought Harrison Ford back. You know, Harrison Ford's been uh, notorious for saying he's out of Star Wars for the longest time. And look, I know people might disagree with me, but I think this is my favorite part of the movie. Like, this is my absolute favorite part of this entire movie 
when Kylo Ren speaks to the memory of his dad. So he's having a memory. So Han Solo is not back as a Force ghost. It's literally a memory of his dad that he's having through the Force. And if we're talking about what Chris Terrio said, how strong is the Force? What is the Force capable of? This fits within the realm of possibility for me. Like if people can transfer items, I don't have a problem with Kylo Ren having a conversation with a memory of his father. But I think one of the things that I love most about this is that for the first time in this movie, it slows down and it does some character work. All movie long, we're just like, boom, 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 point A, point B, C, D, E. And finally, right here, we actually get to have a character reflect on things. I know he does kill Han Solo or his dad in The Force Awakens. I felt that this is the first time in this entire trilogy that I'm like, okay, I can now relate to or connect to Kylo Ren. I mean, and that, that's my, that's my, I was like, you kind of like, you're now you're on his side or you're like, hey, I, okay, I, I'm rooting for you now. I don't know. Is that, do you I guys feel the was, same yeah, way? Cause like, was, cause that was like when this, when, when that, no, Corinne, you're right. It's, it's a good part of the movie. When it happened, you're kind of like, all right, dude, like now I'm rooting for you. Before, I, I don't know. I, I just didn't really care. That was, that was literally his redemption. That was yeah, it was like, that was the point where like, all right, dude, let's go. You know, like, yeah. And you couldn't redeem him any other way. Because, no, you can't. Yeah. Because yeah. Carrie Fisher's gone, so you can't have her come yeah. in. You know, the actress isn't able to be there for any custom writing you want to have. So I think the only way you can do that is with the Harrison Ford moment. Because yeah. if any other character, like even if Luke came back and said, I forgive you, wouldn't work. No. Wouldn't work. It has to be one of his parents. And he, the only way it makes his redemption believable, especially after what I just saw in Last Jedi, the <laughs> only way this shit is believable <laughs> is if it's Harrison Ford, if it's Han Solo. Yeah. And I think this is one of the strongest bits of writing in the entire movie. The dialogue is directly lifted from when he kills his dad. He's yeah. like, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Says the same thing here. You know, he holds out the lightsaber. Yeah. To his dad, his dad says, you know, you are strong enough, you can do it. And he just throws it, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he just chucks it. But one of my favorite things is like, he's just like, dad, and he can't say the words. And then Han Solo is just like, I know. And then he turns around and he throws it. And I love that we've gotten to the point where he doesn't even have to say I love you to his dad. Right. He just knows. And I think I'll give massive props to, you know, everybody in this movie acts really well. Oh, this is, yeah. But right. holy yeah. shit, like Adam Driver, and this is one of the reasons I, I hate the helmet, yeah. is like I feel like he is so good at conveying such a wide range of emotions that I feel like the helmet is stupid. Bringing it back is pointless at this point. But I love his acting in this scene personally. We have even worked in the classic console right now. Yeah, they, yeah. and that's and, fan and service. And, yeah. and it felt, but it was like, it wasn't even blatant. It, was like, yeah. it wasn't like again. Yeah. It's everything about that scene shot on that set was perfect. Like yeah. the whole, everything done there was perfect, and it felt natural. It right. was fan service. Like you without, even ca- I didn't even catch it at first. Yeah, like, yeah. You know? it was fan service without derailing the fucking plot. And um, here's the other thing too: when he kills Han Solo, he's in a dark place. The sun's blocked out, or goes out, or whatever. We didn't even talk about that. Like, how do you eat up a sun? and not die from cold immediately on a planet in episode seven, but whatever. It's snowing. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, But they're in a dark place when he kills Han Solo, and then when he speaks to the memory of his dad, it's bright as day. There's light everywhere. I think it's interesting that, just a little side note, that like, because what you're talking, Leia and Luke did that thing where they sort of reached out, and that was a technique that killed them. Hmm. And uh, Ren and Rey seem to have perfected that almost to a point where they just turn it on and off like a phone. 
Yeah, because <laughs> you know, but it does make their connection a little more like Palpatine said, rare or special. Yeah, because uh, Kylo Ren even says in Last Jedi, like you can reach me. Yeah, that technique would kill you. Yeah, and then they just fucking frivolously do that shit throughout the whole fucking yeah, movie. Like Goten and Trunks going Super Saiyan. Just yeah, like, super yeah, it doesn't make any Jedi sense. Um, I, I don't think I needed to see Han Solo. Okay, I don't know. It just it felt weird to me. Like it felt like how they do like the the force ghosts or whatever you want to say, you know, throughout all nine all movies. Star, yeah, yeah, all Star Wars. And it's like, it's just weird. And then like Han Solo is just like standing there. And I know it's a memory and I understand that, but like maybe if, if it was just like this ominous like voice that like was speaking to him and then Kylo Ren throws his lightsaber, I would have bought that more personally. I just thought it was weird that he shows up so real. Mm. We're interpreting it as like, oh, it's just a memory or he's daydreaming about this. Um, I don't know, I, it just it caught me off guard and I, I mean, it's total fan service. You guys have to agree with me on that part. No? I think it works. I think, yeah. I think really? it's I think the thing is like, in what other way can Kylo Ren be redeemed? I just, I don't know, just the way they did it. I don't know. I, I, and I for me, like, like in my mind, I just assumed that it was all just happening in his head. Yeah. To be honest. Like, I did not. Because take it he as doesn't like, have the blue outline, right? Yeah. No, he doesn't. No. He yeah. doesn't. And he's not see through. And then the yeah, moment he throws he away the. <laughs> and the moment he throws away the saber, he looks and his dad is gone. Yeah. So I, I knew right away, like, okay, he's not a Force ghost. And Han Solo is not alive, so this has to be yeah. another Force. Yeah. Thing well, because conversely, we have the Luke scene later to see that there is—he's not a Force ghost if you compare the two. Yeah. yeah, especially because the conversation is that they have is so similar to the conversation that they had when he killed his father. To me, it was like just replaying the same thing. No, I don't know. No, I get that. I just if, if they would have been the it. Force ghost thing, then I would have liked it even less. I like that oh, it wasn't sure. that, but I would have liked it even more if he wasn't there at all, and it was like. There's Maybe kind of in his memory. I, I find it There's, hard to believe that you that a, a voice coming from the sky would have satisfied you more. I'm just I'm saying that I would have imagined it more being I would it'd be more believable that it's a memory. It's like hit like in his head, like because like you guys just said, it was a very similar conversation that they had. So it's like almost a replay of that, or like feeling him speak to him. Like I don't know. I just I, I thought it was just interesting. I I don't completely hate it. I just I didn't like it. I okay. Right. Okay. How would you feel about this? What if you know there is no. They're not on the same setting, right? So, like, um, Kylo Ren's standing out on there, and instead of turning around and seeing his dad, it cuts to, like to, him. It cuts yeah. to him reliving the moment on Starkiller Base, right? There you go. How about that? It cuts, there you go. It cuts to that. They have the same conversation, except this time he doesn't kill his dad, turns around, and it cuts to real time, and he throws the saber off. Yeah. Would you be cooler uh, with I that? Would, I would be way better with that. I got to work, guys. I, hey, hire me, people. There you go. Give I like that job. way better. Yeah. yeah. That's just me personally. I know you guys enjoyed it. and yeah. Of course, it was cool to see Harrison Ford in there. I'm not going to say it wasn't. Do we really but. enjoy it, or are we just like, that's the only way this works? I, I think it's it. both. I think I, I, I don't know if I enjoyed I, it. I'm just like, hey, I, thank you for doing this. But I don't know I if was, I enjoy it. I was a little bit on Jason's side where I just felt it was an underwhelming scene. Like, yeah, like, first and foremost, 100% it is fan service. We even said we felt it was fan service done right, but fan service nonetheless. People cheered when he came on the screen. Well, when I just asked that question, no one agreed with me. So. Well, because <laughs> <laughs> well, like, yes, 100%, I felt underwhelmed watching it. My first reaction, where I'm just like, eh, okay, he's in, cool. But like, I think them talking about it gave me more appreciation for it. But yeah, that is the best. Way to redeem Kylo Ren, yeah. like yes, that um, that was good acting, 
But again, I still feel like to your point, underwhelmed and like what Corwin just pitched. Yeah, that probably would have worked a lot better mm. if uh, he turned to throw the saber and as soon as he threw it, he was out of the dark room and he's back in the ocean or something. Uh, I'll agree with you, Jason. Like I 100% believe and know this is fan service, but I think it's in service of the story as well. At least for me, it doesn't take me out of the movie. And kind of going back to a lot of the points I brought up before, I feel like this is something that was always planned by JJ. Because if you go back and watch Force Awakens, that is a very ambiguous conversation they're having in Force Awakens, where it's just like, it can work both ways. And I feel like this was, along with Finn, you know, being Force sensitive, I feel like that whole scene of him killing Han was a setup for this scene later down the line. And I feel like that was always his intention to have those two things work. I could be wrong. In that sense, of, I mean, I, I get that. Yeah. I understand that. I could be wrong, but it, but it feels that way. Like, that killing was intentional specifically for this moment. But, okay. yeah, I don't know. Um, so, you know, he chucks the lightsaber. And then we have Pride. He talks to Palpatine. So Palpatine senses that Kylo Ren is basically returned to the light and betrayed him. So he tells Pride, you know, send a ship to a planet that they love or they care about or whatever and destroy it to set an example. So um, they send a Star Destroyer with a Death Star gun to Kajimi, the planet we were just on. And they blow it up. And I'm sitting in the theater and I'm just like, did we really have to blow up another fucking planet? I did like now, now Star Destroyers have planet killers. The other reason this bothered me is because 20 minutes ago, General Hux is just like, hey, they're on Kajimi. Should we just destroy Kajimi? And then Kylo Ren just holds up a finger you know, like Han Solo does in Empire Strikes Back to 3PO and walks away, basically shutting that shit down. And I'm just like, so let me get this straight. That planet y'all didn't want to destroy earlier that Hux suggested, all of a sudden we're going to blow it up now. Like if you just listened to Hux 20 minutes ago, you would have killed everybody on it. Problem solved. Done. But you didn't want to for what reason? Because Kylo didn't want to. That's true. We always got to do what <laughs> Kylo wants. Hux was right. Yeah. Hashtag <laughs> Hux was right. So we move on from that. And then we get to uh, Ray going to act two. She's having a, I don't know, maybe a breakdown. She's frustrated with everything that's happened. She's kind of disillusioned by her situation. And she's destroying Kylo Ren's uh, TIE fighter as a means to stay stuck on the planet. And so going back to The Last Jedi, she chucks Chucks Anakin's lightsaber into the fire and Luke catches it. And the first thing he says is, a Jedi's weapon should be treated with more respect. I'm like, really? Yeah. yeah. And Luke is very clearly a force ghost as compared to the Harrison Ford we just saw. Oh, yes. He's a, he's a ghost. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's a direct response to Luke chucking the lightsaber off the cliff. For sure. In the last movie. And I also feel like this is the Luke that we've come to know. Because yeah. one thing that I noticed right away, if we're talking about characters, arcs being reset... Luke and Ray's roles are 100% switched from where they were in the last movie. Yeah. Ray is disillusioned. Um, she's obsessed with lineage and what ha- what that has to do with people's destinies. Whereas Luke is all about seeing the good in people and explaining that people have a choice and have to make that choice before you can judge them. And I just kind of feel like this is just a reversal of that. It, it is a reversal. Yeah. yeah, it's just kind of like, hey, Leia knew you were a Palpatine, but she still decided to train you. You're all right, kid. Yeah, that, that reveal where Luke and Leia both, I guess both knew they were, uh, Ray was a Palpatine. I don't know if that's, yeah, that, it's kind of, eh. Yeah. Yeah. And now, how did you feel about the CGI on the Luke and Leia training flashback? I thought Luke looked fine. I thought Leia looked kind of weird. I yeah. thought it looked kind of like, like a video game. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. That's what I thought. I almost didn't recognize that it was her. 
and the camera lingers on her a lot. Yeah. Like Luke, I thought it looked like him, but Leia just felt kind of off. I, I think that that was definitely like CGI or something because it wasn't even clear. Like it was like, it was like in the dark. Yeah, it was dark, and I don't, I don't even remember seeing Leia's face on that whole yeah, like, scene. Yeah, like the light from the lightsaber was like flashing up. On yeah, her. she like raises the visor, and then yeah. you see her face. Yeah, but it's like yeah, it's weird how much it does linger on her, and it's like that. I could it could <laughs> be her. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And we also get introduced to the Leia saber. Yes. Chilling in. And the- now we kind of know <laughs> how she was able to use the force. Mm-hmm. How she's been able to train Ray. And that's all the explanation I needed because once I saw all that, I was like, okay, makes perfect sense that she's training right now. 100% on board. Okay. So according to Luke, on the last night of her training, uh, Leia said that she saw her son's death at the end of her Jedi journey. So she decided to quit. Whether that was to join the New Republic, found the Resistance or whatever, it's never really explained. But I just kind of feel like, okay, well, if you see his death at the end of your journey, why quit? Like, if it's inevitable or, you know, always in motion, the future is, like Yoda says, why quit? That doesn't, like, make quitting being a Jedi necessary. I kind of feel like that's a little bit of sloppy writing, but hey. So he motivates Rey to continue the fight, telling her that she's you know stronger than whatever her bloodline is. It doesn't matter. You can still make that good choice. Uh, he gives her the lightsaber. He also but, explicitly tells her to take both sabers. Take both yeah. sabers, yeah. But before he does, um, he does you know a throwback uh, where he pulls the oh, X-wing yeah. out of the water, which I think is is a good way to use what Ryan Johnson set up because I I always felt like watching The Last Jedi that at some point in that movie Luke was gonna raise his X-Wing out of the water or Rey was gonna do it or Rey was gonna do it and join the fight like you don't just show that shot of the X-Wing in the water because the first time I watched that movie I was like by the end of this movie he's gonna raise it out of the water and pull a Master Yoda come in full circle never does it because he's a whiny bitch the whole movie and (laughs) Um, so in this movie, he finally does it and it pays off. It felt fan servicey. It felt kind of quick and underwhelming because I don't really care about anybody during this movie for the most part. I thought it was corny when she was wearing the blaster helmet, like because you only saw it in like a couple like in between cutscenes type of thing, and she's just kind of wearing his helmet as she drives by, like as a bridge between scenes. Oh, when she's going to Exegol, right? It may or may not be a callback to uh, Force Awakens, where she's wearing another X-wing pilot's helmet right. while she's playing in the sand or whatever. Right. But I, yeah, it did look kind of silly. Like, yeah, eh, kind of. It didn't take me out of it, but I was just like, eh. And a little bit took me out of it. Yeah. Um, so she takes Kylo's Wayfinder, puts it in uh, Luke's X-Wing, and she flies off to Exegol. And we get Finn and Poe, C-3PO, BB-8, and Dio going back to the Resistance base. At the base, everybody mourns for Leia. Finn has his you know, interaction with Dio and finds out that the droid knows where Exegol is. R2, he gets a transmission from Rey about how to get there through the Maw. She's yeah. leaving breadcrumbs. Yeah, she's leaving a trail you know, on her way there. How did she find the Wayfinder again? Uh, she got the, the Wayfinder. Yeah, it was in Kylo's X. That's uh, right, TIE that's right. He left it in there from when he found it. Okay. Yeah. Can we just talk about how sad it was when Chewie found out that Leia died? Yes. Oh, yeah. Did no one find that emotional? It was just I... like when, he found, when Han died and Chewie let out that yell. It was, it was like, like the saddest <laughs> thing. Yeah. Like, so sad. Yeah. I, I, saying no words. I was like, oh no. I think that he was like fell to his knees. That was to make up for him not hugging Leia at the end of Force Awakens. Mm, it felt like yeah, okay. it felt like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then him getting the medal at the end also. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like oh, that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I felt bad for him. All right, yeah. moving on. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Exegol. I'm sorry. 
sorry. <laughs> okay, so Leia has made Poe acting general, right? According to one of the characters. I'm just like, what? There's nobody else in this military that has like a higher rank than this right. dude. Mm-hmm. You know, since when? Well, she um, got killed in the last movie when she ran her ship into the Imperial. Holdo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's and I think that's another mistake of the last movie. You shouldn't have killed Holdo if you're trying to move things on to the future because Holdo would have been an adequate replacement for Leia if you wrote her better. But that's just a whole nother conversation I should have had last episode. But yeah. that's something totally different and that that's predicated on writing better because yeah. she was unlikable almost in that movie, but yeah. whatever. So he's the general now and he just decides to make Finn a general. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're chit-chatting and he's just like, hey man, <laughs> I can't do it alone after getting a pep talk from Lando. He just makes Finn a general too, and Finn just becomes a general. And this it's a very takes casual me, army. Yeah, this <laughs> takes me back to Return of the Jedi when TJ and I are talking about how the fuck do people just become generals? Right. So that's not how it works. <laughs> that's not how it works. I can't just walk into a military base and yeah. demand to be a general. They have this meeting about how they're going to strike on Exegol, right? I think Dominic Monaghan, the dude from The Hobbit, is just like, you know, why don't we hit him hard? Hit him with some Heldo maneuvers, and then <laughs> Finn is just like. That's a one in a million shot, man. <laughs> Be realistic. It, and it's a smart thing to do because if doing what Holdo did could destroy, you know, 12 ships at a time, right? Wouldn't you just throw a bunch of empty capital ships into yeah. a battle and yeah. launch them all into hyperspace and not worry about actually fighting? The movie's over. Yeah, the yeah. movie's over Again, at that it point. it opens a huge gap. <laughs> yeah. like, at least they talk about it and address it. It, it, it was a reference to yeah. The Last Jedi. Yeah, so the only reason they, they, had, they did enough to reference some of the events uh, that happen in The Last Jedi, but also describing the movie, so. The guy is smart to bring it up, but it's also smart to say that that is a very rare occurrence, that charging into light speed against a ship will destroy it. From a logical standpoint, it makes sense, and from a storytelling standpoint, it makes sense to kinda say that it's a one in a million shot that light speed will work again. They all take off. They formulate their plan. They talk about the command tower. I think that's one of the last things Rose says on this planet. She has more lines when they get to Exegol, but she's the one I think that identifies that they have a uh, control tower. But I think Finn is the one that narrates it. And I'm just kind of like, y'all can't give Rose like a line? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Jesus. Like, yeah, I mean, they could have done a lot of things, Rose. They, they also could have done a throwback and make her like one of the bombers or something. Like, you know, the throwback. Be the hey, bomber yeah. squadron. Yeah, be the bomber squadron and like, re- like a redeeming arc for. For, for her sister. They you know? hate Rose in this movie. They do. <laughs> in this like, movie, they hate Rose. Like I said, they do enough to like, mention it some of it, but discredit The Last Jedi. That's what yeah. it is. Uh, so we cut to Exegol. Rey gets there. She just flies past and lands. Nobody cares, I guess. And then uh, she goes in to find Palpatine. Uh, and then shortly after, the Resistance shows up. And then Pride orders them to use ion cannons, right? Like, what do we do? Use the ion cannons. They don't use ion cannons because ion cannons only disable ships. Like as soon as he says use the ion cannons, we cut to ships getting blown out of the sky. And I'm like, do you not know what an ion cannon is? Like an ion cannon will disable a ship. You remember in Rogue One? I, where like, I have no idea what an ion cannon is. So an ion cannon, do you guys know? <laughs> if you watch Rogue One, uh, when they're above Scarif, the rebels are shooting ion cannons at one of the star destroyers. And you okay. see the electrical current oh, go around yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It disables electrical systems and that renders the ship immobile for a time being. So he says to them, them, use the ion cannons and then we cut to the next shot and it's them shooting regular lasers blowing shit out of the sky so I just thought it was kind of eh. sloppy writing yeah, that's just me being a Constantly nerd yeah. Like sloppy writing. Yeah. yeah 
one of the guys says, hey, you know, they're, they're on the ship. What do we do? They're on the ground. And Pride says, jam their speeders. And then the guy says, they're not on speeders. And then we get the space horses. I thought it was cool. It's yeah. kind of the throwback to the Ewoks versus it the Stormtroopers. Yeah, kind of something we haven't seen before. It's kind of something we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way this particular scene was shot was really cool because it is a direct reference to the opening of Force Awakens. In that movie, we have the dropships land and then stormtroopers come out and kill everybody, right? But in this movie, the dropship lands and it's reformed ex-stormtroopers coming out mm-hmm. fighting against evil. So right. I thought that was a nice uh, kind of contrast between those. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile with Palpatine. Yeah, meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile with Palpatine. Raising the throne room with him. We get another throne room scene again. You know, every third movie has a throne room scene. Revenge of the Sith, it was on Grievous' ship. Return of the Jedi, it's on the Death Star. And now it's on Exegol. I, I hate saying that plan. I, I, every time you say it, I think you like shake your head. <laughs> I think it's a cool name. I, don't I know. think it's a cool name. Really? really? But it yeah, sounds kind of like ExxonMobil. That's what I'm thinking. ExxonMobil. Exegol, Exxon. It's like a gas. It just sounds like you're mispronouncing something every time, though. Like it's like exegol. exegol. What do you mean to say something else, right? Exegol. It's a weird word, but exegols. I kind of like it. It feels know. like you're saying it wrong. Yeah. It's like a foreign word. That is the exit goal. Yeah. That's the exit goal. <laughs> yeah. So um, Ray's there with Palpatine. He wants to coerce her into killing him because, like we said before, all the Sith will live on through her and she'll be the Empress of the galaxy or whatever. She calls her his heir, his yeah. true heir. Mm-hmm. In order to convince her he opens up the sunroof and shows her the battle above saying that her friends will die if she doesn't strike him down just like Return of the Jedi yeah just like Last Jedi too it's just like how many fucking times is some old dude in the throne room gonna have our protagonist look out the window and look at a battle and say ha your friends are in danger only to get killed yeah <laughs> like you think he would have learned from the last two times and I won't say last one time cause he was in control of Snoke the whole time he got fucked over twice he's not afraid he's died before that's true yeah yeah, you're right. Ben Solo lands on Exegol and he gets inside of the Sith Temple. He just runs in there in like a big shirt. He um, looks like Neo from the Matrix. And <laughs> you finally think you're going to get to see the Knights of Ren do some cool shit. And then they just like jump him. And it's not really a cool fight scene. No cool crazy weapons or choreography. It's just they just kind of start like mob beating and like jumping him. He like shoots one behind his back, mm-hmm. which isn't that like replication of what his dad did or something. Yeah, it's very well. They, I think oh, even, yeah. the, even the blaster thing, which is a very Han esque. Yeah, yeah, because in Force Awakens, he shoots that guy without looking. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. No, I don't. But you do. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, ion cannons. Yeah, the ion cannons. <laughs> yeah. Um, so during all this, Palpatine is narrating to Rey what she's gonna do. Like, oh, she will take her weapon. She will turn it on. Right. And Just similar to what Snoke does, does yeah. in the Red Room. Thank you. Because, okay, this man is one for two in throne rooms. He got Anakin to kill Dooku, which is fine. Yeah. Don't you think like you would do better this time? Like You have her look out the window, and then you narrate everything she's doing. You don't think this time it's just like, okay, she ain't going to do it. Just kill her. Well, just, this time the whole cult is chanting behind him. Okay, nobody and, behind her sees. And, and, and this is his granddaughter, okay? I think he can trust family. Yeah. <laughs> but he has the Imperial Guards surround her, remember, before? Beforehand. Yeah. So, like, they don't see that she's making the lightsaber disappear behind her Dude, back? They, well, to be fair, they don't know what it is. That's true. He was literally the only one in this entire universe that knew what it was. Ah. Okay. <laughs> but don't they, like, but, yell out, hey, she has something behind her back or something? <laughs> just, Jesus, I wish... Boss, <laughs> boss, I know you said don't interrupt your speech, but she's doing something. <laughs> I wish somebody would just be like, hey, she's a phony. <laughs> <laughs> a big, phony. fat phony. 
So she she hands off the lightsaber to Ben Force Solo now. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that was cool, like how they handed it off, and I was like, okay, there's the payoff for all these previous um, yeah. transfer scenes or whatever. Yeah. Ben Solo's fight against the Knights of Ren looks cool. Like he just kicks ass. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah like this not, is they the stop beating him and he starts kicking their ass with the saber. Even his fighting style is different. Yeah. Whereas with Kylo Ren, he's just like angrily striking things with this he's more acrobatic but I do like the opening scene in the movie too when he's fighting them all off in the beginning of the movie oh in Mustafar yeah, yeah. I, I liked that part too but this part I agree is better but I did I was like I really like that beginning scene it's dark it's slower it's more Kylo Ren-esque I guess yeah, yeah. it's more like, vicious but. yeah and then plus I like that he's got his grandfather's saber you know what I mean? He's got the yeah. yeah. About that, do you think it would have made more sense for him to have Anakin's saber or Leia's saber in that moment? I think just Anakin's because it makes more sense for Rey to have Leia's. He's been, you know, trying to like finish what Darth Vader started, who is Anakin. So it kind of is smart that he would end up as Anakin did, like at the very, very end. And he's literally finishing what Anakin started, right? Which yeah. is cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the final order moves the navigation signal from the ground tower to the command ship, right? Uh, they manage to blow up one of the cannons and disrupt the signal, but uh, they find out that the final order is rebooting their systems, and then Finn says, hey, we got to stay behind and blow up the command tower, and, you know, they succeed. They kill Pride. That was kind of brutal the way he died. He just, like, runs up to the window, and you see his body just, like, explodes. Explode out of the window. And the whole point of this was to keep the ships from taking off from the planet so they couldn't navigate out of the space debris. Yeah. 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 But you think you had 30 years, right? Or just yeah. make them they, all command capable ships. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's lots of things. I mean, they can all blow up planets. Why not? You know, why are we, why are we given the base model for some of these? And not, you know, and it, it is the same, time. it's the same bullshit that they used in the last Jedi with, they can track us, but only with the lead ship. And it's the same thing here. It's just like, we can get out of the atmosphere. But only with the lead ship, <laughs> and it, it just there's no explanation or, or logic behind it's like that a shit. Twenty five dollar software upgrade, and they could all be it's just like well, let's, let's <laughs> yeah, just pay like, the extra twenty five bucks. Let's figure it out. No, Jason, <laughs> they want to use the free version. They don't want to subscribe. <laughs> yeah, but how the much is that twenty five after tax? They got the command light, and it's like no, just spend the twenty five bucks. Just do it. Like no, we got so much to be. It's like, do you want do you want the cannon or the ability to move it somewhere? <laughs> it's like, well, I'd rather have a cannon. Like this is literally like buying a car and not being able to leave the parking lot. This is the same shit. Um, Poe's giving up hope. I forgot all about Poe at this point, to be honest with you. He's leading the charge. In yeah, the, so they're getting swatted like flies. Yeah. And again, it's that theme of like, let's put out the signal, but nobody will come. You have to believe they'll come. And yeah. And then Lando shows up like, oh, there's more of us. And Poe flies up and you have like a million ships coming out of hyperspace. And it's like a less impactful version of on your left in Endgame. All I yeah, thought was like yeah. on your left. More ships doesn't mean more feels, guys. Yeah. Like, there's got to be history here. But, but there's so many different, different ships types of yeah. ships from like every freaking movie and cartoon and everything there from what I was reading and like bring if, back if you, old ass was it uh was it Wedge I think was it Wedge or oh like, Wedge Antilles yeah. yeah and he's like dude damn he's still alive yeah cause I remember they wanted to bring him back for Force Awakens and he was pretty adamant about never doing Star Wars again <laughs> and they somehow got him for this movie for like one second one second yeah yeah one second what does he say he's just like let's shoot some fighters Lando <laughs> that's, that's all he says um, all he says is okay I'm here <laughs> yeah he's like give me that check yeah um 
a lot of ships come through, which is cool, which is a nice message to send like, hey, you know, people are rising up Listen, against the empire. Yeah. You don't have to be a force, like a military force or anything like that. You can just be regular people standing up for what's right, which is cool. Okay, so Lando gets all these people to come through, right? Leia, the leader of the resistance, couldn't get a single ship to show up at the end of Last Jedi, but yeah. all all Lando has to do is like fly around the galaxy, like beep twice, and then they all, they <laughs> all show the OG, up. Man. Get in, losers. He's, he, he's too smooth, man. Like people couldn't resist that charm. And then uh, they start blowing off the cannons off these ships and blowing up the cannon, destroys the ship. Oh, Finn and Jada get picked up in the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, so they get picked up in the Millennium Falcon, which kind of undoes, once again, a whole nother sacrifice that we're right. foreshadowing. We're talking about like, oh no, Finn, he had to stay behind on the ship. And then Lando just like, don't worry, I got this. And he just kind of picks them both up. Like throughout this whole movie, it's just been like, we're gonna prepare you for a loss. Yeah. And then there's no consequence to it because they just stay alive anyway. Um, Ray and Ben team up against Palpatine and then Palpatine disables them and he's about to you know, use force lightning on them. And then he can't, but then he finds out that his fingers are regenerating and yo, this man needs like a manicure, like go up the street, homie, they'll hook it up, well, I guess. Dead. He's dead, I guess, but I don't know. And this is where he explains their connection. Yeah, so. An army. He doesn't have time for a manicure. That's true. Well, he's been there for like 30 years. He's got time. <laughs> like he can't put a nav in, he can't do anything. <laughs> this man, he's so, in, he's so like inefficient. So inefficient with his time. He's so awful, yeah. Awesome. He notices that his fingers are growing back and that's when he notices that they're a dyad and he says, oh, you know, a power as strong as life itself. So now he uses his technique to suck the life out of them so yeah. he can grow back to how he looked in Revenge of the Sith and I ain't talking about just like his face coming back like he's got the Versace robes he's got the red bottoms on like <laughs> yeah. yo this dude is like fucking killing too? it you know I told him he should get a manicure this motherfucker went on a shopping spree like <laughs> immediately so like all his shit came back treat and, yourself yeah treat yourself <laughs> <laughs> he's got that that Tom Haverford going on and Donna I'm not talking first season treat yourself I'm talking six, seven season treat yourself <laughs> <laughs> so he shoots his lightning into the sky now this franchise officially has a blue light in the sky moment just like avengers just like uh man of steel just like um suicide squad does yeah. it they have the light into the sky so he does that the ships are disabled they fall out of the sky he tosses ben into a hole and he that says was a super petty moment yeah he was mad petty because yeah. he's just like just as i fell <laughs> so shall you the last skywalker and i'm like you're really mad about falling <laughs> yeah. Yeah down the hole. Uh, Ray, she's knocked out, seeing all the destruction happening. She's doing what she was doing at the beginning of the movie, saying, be with me, be with me, to, you know, the Jedi of the past, right? Uh, much in the same way that all the Sith live in Palpatine. And so, through her repetition of this particular phrase and whatever force technique she's using, she hears the voices of previous Jedi. So, TJ got us a list of uh, the people saying, rise, Ray. Uh, he got us a list of that. So, we got uh, Anakin. They brought back Hayden Christensen. We got Luminara and Dooley. Uh, Luminara is the the green alien with the head wraps. She has like freckles. Uh, yeah. yeah, if you guys know who I'm talking about. Ahsoka Tano, she's the um, Togruta with the striped tails on her head. Mm -hmm. She looks Boys. like Shakti. Like the like pink skin. She was on the like Jedi Council, right? Yeah. She was, no, no, she wasn't. She wasn't on Phantom Menace. No, Jedi no, Council. she was in the Clone Wars animated series, the uh, 3D one. Okay. Yeah, she's the young one. She was um, a, Anakin's apprentice. apprentice. Yeah. Oh, got it. Got it. Uh, Ayla Sakura, she's the Twi'lek. She's blue and she has like the tentacles. You know the one that they shot on the flower planet in Revenge of the Sith? 
Yeah. When they're showing yeah. the montage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. her. Uh, they got Mace Windu. Samuel Jackson came back. Obi-Wan uh, with Ewan McGregor. They did some voice modulation for Alec Guinness as older Obi-Wan. Frank Oz with Yoda. They got uh, Adi Gallia. Kanan Jarrus, who is in the Rebels TV series, who's played by Freddie Prinze Jr. Uh, they got Qui-Gon Jinn, Liam Neeson, and then Luke Mark Hamill. So those are the, the people that they got back to do that whole rise moment. Huh. And then according to you know this Reddit post that we kind of talked about earlier, um, apparently there's supposed to be an actual visual scene of that. So from what that post says, they actually got a lot of the actors in robes, in costume, and they filmed them. And what was supposed to happen was that Rey, when she gets up, you see the force ghosts behind her of all the Jedi repelling Palpatine's lightning. That would have been cool. Yeah, but I guess that got cut out. Like, I don't have 100% confirmation on this, but that Reddit post does say that because of issues with the studio, that was cut from the movie. I've heard it it, it was cut because of something with China. Oh, really? Yeah, Lord China, is, it's, you know, different cultures, like, don't allow things. So, like, I guess China has something with, with ghosts. So, and, you know, and other things can be easily cut, but because this is such a huge scene, it would have been impossible to cut it just for the Chinese market. And they're like, hey, Disney really bent over backwards to make sure that this, 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 had, this movie had a wide release that would appeal to basically every market, especially the Chinese market, and it, it didn't pay off because it's not doing, I guess it's not doing well mm. in China, so. Really? Yeah. Well, because in China, like, Star Wars was never really a big thing in the first place, so yeah. they, don't, they don't make a lot of their money in China, because yeah. I don't think the original trilogy was ever a thing out there. More than anything, the film had to cater to the Chinese market. Mm. That was more important than even our market. Like, a lot of like a lot of major companies do that nowadays though mm-hmm. trying to cater to them. I mean we talk about Iron Man 3 how there were scenes specifically added for the Chinese cut that featured uh, multiple Asian actors you know yeah. just for that particular demographic you know when we talk about um, Transformers Age of Extinction oh, that yeah. Awful. yeah there's a bunch of actors that are kind of just shoehorned in there yeah. and it's it's very pandering I kind of feel like with this it's just like why not just shoot it twice yeah, just, just yeah. make one version with them, yeah. make one version without them, and just call. Like you have yeah. the money, clearly. Yeah. yeah. So why not do it? I mean, you brought them in and filmed it. Why not just release it at least here in the U.S.? But you know, whatever. Yeah. Um. So she has one lightsaber. She's blocking the lightning, and then she pulls out two lightsabers and sends like the. An X. Yeah, she makes an X. <laughs> you know, and she blows up Palpatine, Ark of the Covenant style, and he yeah. melts away. So I guess that's how she could kill him without becoming the Sith, because technically he's killing himself since it was his own life. <laughs> I, I guess yeah. no, well, she's not killing yeah. him out of hate either. Right. So, so that was the weird workaround to yeah. like make it okay to strike him down without striking him down. Yeah, I feel like all of this is convoluted, kind of just to have this moment. But she dies from her efforts. Um, everybody else in the fleet succeeds, blows up the Star Destroyers. Finn senses her through the Force, dead. Kylo Ren climbs up from the hole he was in, kind of limps over to her, notices she's died, picks her up, and then uses, you know, force healing to essentially bring her back to life. And then they the kiss. The most awkward they scene in the most awkward. <laughs> yeah. They kiss, guys. How do you feel about Ray and Ben kissing? Raylo is what they're calling it. How do you feel? I didn't like it. No? I don't think it was necessary. No, I didn't. Really not. I, I think I would have rather had Finpo than Raylo. <laughs> 
I for sure would have. But I, <laughs> I think that like their their relationship was much more impactful to me without the kiss. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think to show that they were so intertwined without being romantically linked, it was almost like a sibling type of yeah. connection. Yeah. Like yeah. a Luke and Leia, I don't yeah. know, or like a cousins kind of. thing. I kind of got that sibling kind of vibe too. And then when they kissed, yeah. I was like, man, we're going yeah. back to the Luke and Leia thing again. Yeah. Yeah. J.J. Yeah. Um, Abrams was adamant about not having that kiss as well as just a whole Ray Ben Solo kind of romantic arc but uh, someone above him basically said no this is what we're gonna do so prior to their romantic scene that shot I felt the relationship was much stronger and I kind of feel like you invalidate a lot of that shit by just making it sexual at that point Mm -hmm. you know he's been you know abusive he's been kind of a dick this whole time and now we're just kissing like I never once felt romance Right. At all. Like it hasn't yeah. been set up for that. I felt like they were bound by their yeah. by the force and I'm glad that they finally got on the same side, but I never for one second felt like there's any romance between the two. I felt like it was ambiguous and I feel like some of the best things about this type of film is when things are left a little bit more ambiguous. Mm-hmm. To where it's like, who knows what would well, he died, but you know, if he hadn't, who knows what that relationship would have become. I don't need to know. You know, it's not important for me to know that, in my mind. If they were going to go romantic, if he had lived, that's, I think, when the time would have been to sort of flush that out. Like, now they are together traveling the universe, but now it's time to flush that out if that's where it's going to go type of thing. Or maybe, what if they were romantic prior to all of this happening? Like, if you write the story a little different, what if they knew each other before he went to the dark side or something like that? Then that would make more sense and things would come full circle. But the way it's written here, it just feels like it's it's stupid. It's like a trope. It's like a cop-out. Like there's a moment in one of the other movies that they were about to kiss or you felt that same feeling and he just got left hanging and it never like got revisited until this point. Even then, I feel like it would be like, oh, okay, well, something they're going to complete that they once started. But Or if they just like hugged each other and like he said something yeah. to her, like whispered something in her ear and then like just kind of like disappeared in her arms. I feel like something like that would be more powerful than this because then it's just like, who's almost over? Like, why are you doing this right now? I don't yeah. know. That's yeah. what I was left feeling like. Because like the last movie that had that, the shirtless scene or something like that, that was the last time any of that kind of got touched on. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was <laughs> that totally garbage. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was, that I, I will say the one thing that the kids did for me was I like, I was, because in my mind I was like, there's no way they would do this if he was about to die. Uh, so as soon as they kissed, I was like, oh, okay, like everything's going to be fine. Yeah. And then and immediately then after. And then he died. Yeah. <laughs> Everything yeah. about that exchange was awkward. The kiss yeah. came out of nowhere and then him dying right after came out of nowhere. Yeah. And it, it, it comes out of nowhere too, because unless you know the interview that JJ did after, you would assume that Finn wanted to tell Ray that he loved her, right? Or something. That's what I was assuming the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. So when I see this, I'm like, wait, <laughs> are we going to talk about what Finn wants to say? Yeah. And so we get back to the resistance base and Finn hops out of the Millennium Falcon and the camera just like awkwardly lingers on him right and everybody's like hugging kissing making out being friends being buddies we see rose go and hug chewy and then we see poe come back ray coming to see bb8 and we're still lingering on finn looking around and they spend a lot of time with that camera on finn looking around Mm -hmm. and you think he's looking for ray and then they have a three-way hug with him poe and ray and then that's a wrap I gotta say that was the lamest montage like celebration ending for me. Just like I just I can't I couldn't get in the moment. I just kept seeing like every all the extras as actors, just like, yay, we yay. won, oh, yeah. yay, we did it. And, and like, then yeah, we forgot to mention like the, the two females kiss. Right. Be, you know. But two characters we've well we saw one of them. 
uh, kind yeah. of have a few uh, ancillary lines. Mm-hmm. Well, she uh, she spoke more in uh, Last Jedi oh, too. Yeah. Well, she was the one who gave uh, Chewbacca his medal at the end too, I believe. No, that was Maz Kanata. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, the woman that uh, had the kiss, she was the one that announced that Leia was in a coma in Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. So that's the same actor. So, but in this movie, she shares a kiss with her partner. It's on the screen for like one or two seconds, if that. But at the very end, when you see everybody celebrating, there's a wider shot and you can see the two of them uh, next to Chewie, like still holding hands. Yeah, you see them like twice. Yeah, you see them twice. Like they're holding hands, but that's about it. That's all you see of them. And then you also see, uh, was it Janice sits next to Lando, oh. and then there's a looted like. Yeah, then that's that weird, another weird. Like, she's like, like she's like, General, where are you from? And he's like, the gold system. And he's like, how about you, kid? And she's like, I don't know. And he's just like, well, you want to find out? <laughs> really? And then like the the way they linger, it's just it's awkward. Like, oh, she talks to Lando and sets up another sequel. Like yeah. it sounds like yeah. that. Well, yeah. yeah well, I, I think JJ's said on record that. But Jan is supposed to be Lando's like daughter. Yeah, like yeah. they had a B plot of that, but they had to scrap it for time or something. I, I like think that. it's also a little explored in some of the comics. I don't know, but it, it, it's it's more clear. Like it, in, in his vision, I guess it, it's clear that yeah, that Janet is Lando's daughter. There was supposed to be the whole subplot with Lando kind of being distraught about how the First Order had taken like his child away or Correct, something yeah. like that, and Janet, yeah, she's supposed to be Lando Calrissian's daughter. Yeah. But I could have spent more time with that. that. Leo, this whole movie could have been a trilogy, honestly. There's <laughs> yeah. so much shit going on. Uh, but the last thing that goes on is uh, Ray travels to Tatooine. Yeah. So Tatooine's in every trilogy, officially. We go back to like the Lars homestead where Luke kind of grew up on the farm. She buries Luke and Leia's lightsabers in the sand. And then some lady comes up and is just like... like a dog camel? Yeah, she has like a, a dog camel. And she's just like, nobody's been here in so long. Who are you? You know, I'm Ray. Ray who? And then she looks off into the distance. She sees force ghosts of uh, Leia and Luke. Uh-huh. And then she looks at the lady and says... Ray Skywalker, and I wish that's that old lady. Of Skywalker. Yeah, I wish that old lady would have stuck around and just said, "Well, that's a stupid name." <laughs> just, just like been like, "What the?" And then cut to black. <laughs> yeah, and then like, then it just cuts. I can't. And then like, Ray's just like staring towards the sun, and then BB just happens to be right next to her, and then credits. But before that, Ray turns on her lightsaber. Yeah, why does she do that? I'm trying to remember. To show it, to, to show, show it off. Yeah, to show off her, her toys, bro. Yeah. Her lightsaber is gold and yeah. it has a nice little like turn toggle to activate it. That you it looks very see. similar to her staff that she uses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cool. Actually, but I think again, it, it, the hilt or the the base is her staff. So that's. So I mean, that is cool, but again, it's just like something kind of shoehorned in last minute without a purpose. Other toys. Than the toys. I almost wish that. <laughs> I almost wish that by the at the beginning of this movie, she had already built her own lightsaber because yeah. she's been training with Leia yeah. for yeah. a year. I almost wish that she had had this yellow lightsaber the entire movie, but, you know, that's some you know, I, I, w- I wish they would actually, n- none of the Star Wars films, they've actually never shown, like, a lightsaber being constructed. I know there's a deleted scene from the last, oh, no, not last Jedi, from Return of the Jedi where uh, before they go to Jabba's place, like, Luke is actually putting together, it's one of the coolest deleted scenes where he's actually putting together a lightsaber. In the, in the Clone Wars, the... Um the animated ones, right? I think they show, they use like the crystals and whatnot to yeah, make them and all that. They go they more into yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the same crystals that you see in Rogue One, those are the same crystals that yeah. are used to build lightsabers. And I always felt like that was a missed opportunity for the prequels. Like, yo, if Anakin's gonna go through all the stages of training, why not take his ass to Ilum yeah. where he builds the lightsabers? Fun fact, which I just found out, by the way, um, Starkiller base is Ilum. 
Yeah, the really? planet the planet where the really? Jedi's go to get their lightsaber crystals. Really? The Empire took that planet over after the Clone Wars mm-hmm. and the First Order converted it into a space station after the Galactic Civil War. So Ilum is Starkiller base. Oh, nice. So no more lightsabers. I, I guess. Fuck. How the hell did Ray get that crystal? Yeah, because Jeddah got fucked up too, so where do you go now? But I also read an article that Ray's lightsaber being yellow is Again, like the first movie in this set of trilogies, uh, the the theming I guess was yellow. Was that was the color? So it was like kind of like starting again. Yeah, like a, a fresh start. I read more. Did you guys already talk about how the yellow also? I guess the guards of the Jedi Temple oh, the, had yellow yeah. lightsabers. The Jedi Sentinels. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I guess they were also they were Jedi that were more neutral and that they weren't more focused on like the battle between the light and the dark, they were more neutral, which kind of makes more sense for Rey having this huge struggle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, and now that Luke is gone and like she's she's there, it's like she's kind of guarding like all this Jedi knowledge. Um, yeah, so it's like. That's very that, fitting. That, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, one thing I wish, and this is just me rewriting shit, but I wish that in order to get closure on some of the themes that were brought up in The Last Jedi, as well as, you know, Finn meeting all these stormtroopers, wouldn't it have been cool if, like, she buries the lightsabers and maybe the camera turns and it's, like, maybe a bunch of Force-sensitive people that came to see her instead of this old lady? Now she's going to continue on, like, teaching the ways of right. the Force yeah. or whatever. So it's, like, Finn and behind him are the stormtroopers and maybe you get Broom Kid in there. <laughs> like, these are, these are people that have kind of made this, like, pilgrimage to learn the force or whatever it would have been cool for maybe that shot to be in there to kind of let us know that like you know the galaxy's in good hands I guess or she sends a message to Finn to say hey Finn anyone else that's force sensitive like you like this is where I am. You guys need to come here so we can train. Like just something, something like that. Yeah. To know that it's going to continue on. Yeah, because we never, we never get yeah. closure. The way the camera lingered on Finn at the base, he never tells Ray how whatever he was going to tell her. We get no closure on a lot of things. I mean, the Republic's destroyed as of Episode Seven. So what the fuck's happening with the government now? And that's like, a big like pain point I think with a lot of people about this movie is that it's hyper focused on you know Ray and Kylo but then these other characters we've learned about through this trilogy this this third part is like we don't get any conclusion with Finn with Rose with Poe we really don't find out what happens that we we find out what happens to Kylo of course, and Ray, but not with these other three characters. And it's kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people come to love them and know them, and it's like we're just kind of like, hey, yeah, it's done. Okay, bye. And it's just like and it's done. The way they wrap it up is just like, hurry, get out of the theater before yeah. you ask questions. Yeah. And I feel I feel so bad for some of the actors in this case because I feel like with how poorly this whole trilogy was planned out, like you would think that they would get great stories because I feel like the actors in this trilogy are so fucking good Mm -hmm. and we just waste them we waste John Boyega we waste Oscar Isaac however you feel about Ray's arc whatever but I feel like we waste Daisy Ridley we waste Mark Hamill you know unfortunately Carrie Fisher passed away that kind of sucks you know Harrison Ford he was one and done in this we waste the reappearance of the Emperor even though you know that's a result of Carrie Fisher passing and them having to flip things we waste Andy Serkis we waste so many fucking people in these movies because there was no fucking plan and I kind of feel bad because like there's a lot of characters that had the potential to have good arcs and there's a lot of themes that were left unexplored that would allow them to have those arcs and because of the poor planning on part of you know Lucasfilm and Disney like we don't get that shit and that just sucks overall I don't get I don't feel any closure when I walk out of this theater I'm left with more questions yeah so 
Yo, apologies for the background noise. We got some uh, some crazy winds going on in the background, so please excuse us. But, um, you know, we're done talking about uh, episode nine, Rise of Skywalker. Now we're going to get into our ranking of the film. So what we're going to do, each of us is going to rank all 11 theatrically released live action Star Wars films from worst to first. So, TJ... Kick it off, man. Uh, worst to first, what is your ranking of all 11 films? Okay, so I'm going to preface this by saying that some of my rankings changed a little bit from the previous recordings that we've done in this retrospective, just because as I've like watched movies over again or as I've done more research, I've come to have different opinions. Um, and also, I've been told that this is a safe space, so <laughs> please, everyone, leave me alone. That You're was safe. a lie. You're okay. safe, bro. That was a lie. Thank you. Uh, okay, so uh, number 11, I'm sorry, Muggs, uh, Phantom Menace. That's bullshit. <laughs> number 10, Attack of the Clones. In ninth place, uh, Empire Strikes Back. What? Wow. Yeah, this is safe, but this is safe. In eighth place, Solo. Uh, seventh place, Return of the Jedi. Sixth place, Revenge of the Sith. Fifth place, The Last Jedi. Fourth place, A New Hope. Third place, Rise of Skywalker. Second place, The Force Awakens, and first place, Rogue One. Okay, all right, there you go. Well, you're giving a, giving a lot of love to Disney there. Yeah, <laughs> which isn't surprising given my history with this franchise. Yeah, all right, uh, Mugga, what is your ranking from uh, worst to first? Okay, I, I want it to be well known that I do value the prequel trilogy over everything. So in an eleventh or last, I got Last Jedi. I mean, it's in the it's in the title, right? You had to put it last. <laughs> um, I have Solo as ten. Uh, Return of the Jedi is nine. I struggled with that one, where to put it, but uh, eight, Attack of the Clones, seven, Rise of Skywalker, six, Revenge of the Sith, uh, five, Force Awakens, um, and then I get into my top four. Rogue One is four, three, New Hope. I struggle. I, I put Phantom Menace as two, and I put Empire Strikes Back as one. Jason, uh, what do you got for your ranking, worst to first? All right, before I do my ranking, there's two things I wanted to point out that I didn't bring up earlier. Uh, both of them about C-3PO. The first one is that uh, his first and last words, so the first words he says in A New Hope and the last words he says in Rise of Skywalker are the same. Did you hear that? No. Yeah. Did you hear that? That was, that was his line. What? Did you hear that? Oh, really? You got me. You got me. And then the last one was uh, we were talking about the, in the I forget the name of the planet, but in the desert when they have like the Burning Man scene. Uh, Pasana. <laughs> yeah, he says specifically that it's been forty-two years. They this this celebration happens every forty-two years. The Star they, Wars forty-two years old. The first yeah. one, yeah, 77, uh, 2019. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, that is cool. That's cool. Yeah. I dig that. Yeah. So um, so worst to first, number eleven I have Solo, number ten I have Attack of the Clones. Nine, I have Last Jedi. Mug is not going to like me on this one. Number eight, I have Phantom Menace. <laughs> Menace. 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 Uh, number seven, I have Rise of Skywalker. Number six, Revenge of the Sith. Number five, Rogue One. Four, Force Awakens. Three, A New Hope. Two, Return of the Jedi. And then one, Empire. Man, yo, it was tough putting this fucking list together because holy shit. I changed mine while we were talking today. Dude, I'm thinking <laughs> I did it too. Yeah, I yo, changed it while we were talking. I might change mine immediately after this because I was changing it in the middle of this podcast. But um, I'm going to go Attack of the Clones, number 11. That's last. Uh, the Last Jedi at number 10. Look, The Last Jedi has a great story in there somewhere, but like that... <laughs> 
plot is god awful. Like the story's great, plot is terrible. Uh, number nine is Solo. Number eight is Rise of Skywalker. Number seven is Phantom Menace. Number six is Revenge of the Sith. Number five is Rogue One. Number four is Force Awakens. Number three is Return of the Jedi. Number two is A New Hope. And my number one is Empire Strikes Back. You go, you go the original three and the yeah. top three. Huh? As much as I hate the first part of uh, Return of the Jedi, like I feel like it is a very complete ending to a three-film arc. I feel like it's... The second half of it is that good. And see, to me, the only thing, the only strike I have really against Return of the Jedi is that it is a lot of what they did in A New Hope. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? It's like reduce. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right, Justin, uh, what is uh, your ranking from worst to first? Uh, my ranking is actually very similar to yours. Um, at number 11, I have Attack of the Clones. Number 10, The Last Jedi. Number 9, Solo. Number 8, Revenge of the Sith. Number 7, Phantom Menace. Uh, six is The Rise of Skywalker. Number five is Rogue One. Number four is The Force Awakens. Number three is Return of the Jedi. Number two, A New Hope. And number one, The Empire Strikes Back. All right. And Bling, why don't you hit us with your uh, worst to first ranking? Where is Empire? You're safe. So 11 is The Last Jedi. I still believe that movie ruined Thank the entire you. franchise. Thank you. Uh, 10, Attack of the Clones. I actually saw that yeah. again recently, and I'm like, this movie is has not aged well by any means. Uh, nine Solo, eight The Phantom Menace, seven The Force Awakens, six The Rise of Skywalker, five Revenge of the Sith, four Rogue One, three Empire, two A New Hope, and one Return of the Jedi. Okay, yeah. all right. Original trilogy is still in the top three. Like, it's, like I said, I, I still feel it's the most complete and cohesive and where it's like, I hey, just- Return of the Jedi. I don't know. It's perfect. I, I like it, but like the opening scene and the Ewoks. I, I don't know. It's I love the Ewoks. I like the Ewoks too. Yeah. Yeah, you can like them, the but bike. you take no, 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 those no. guys. I said take... I. I said I love the Ewoks. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Honestly, in the top three, you, you, I would take either the original cut or even the special edition. Either one is like still I, top three. I, I love, love the Phantom Menace on this table. Would you rather? Would you rather listen to Jedi Rocks in your car in public, or sit through ten hours of the Last Jedi? Wait, say that again? Would you rather play Jedi Rocks out loud in your car in public with the windows rolled down, cranked up to 11 in traffic, California no, I'd traffic? No, i the Jedi for 10 <laughs> No, 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 the last Jedi. Ooh, <laughs> Jedi Rocks. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The last Jedi doesn't rock, though. That's, All right, the but, hardest thing to me was whether or not to put the Clone Wars at the bottom or the last Jedi at the bottom. That was the toughest one for me. Um, real quick, though, look, we just ranked all of our movies, but I do want to stress one thing. These are our personal preferences. And it's a shame that we even have to add this disclaimer to all this shit. Um, we know that, you know, fan bases, not just the Star Wars fan base, but any fan base can be fucking toxic and disrespectful. Two things. I don't want you to think that our rankings are dismissive of your own personal preferences as it relates to the Star Wars movies. You're free to like whatever the fuck you want, just like we are. Like, we're not hating on you we're not hating on your movie. We just have, you know, specific expectations when it comes to films. And this is how we feel about them. These are our favorites. And, you know, we all have differing lists. If you have a differing list, that's fine. If you have Attack of the Clones at the top, you have Less Jedi at the top, you know, do you. That's your thing. You know, Star Wars is for everybody. There's so many movies. It makes perfect sense for you to have a different list than us. 
One of the things I I don't want to deal with, though, is negativity coming at us for having different points of view, you know, not liking a particular movie that you like or liking a movie that you may not be so hot on. So I just want to say that and leave it at that. If you got any problems with that, I don't know, maybe you should reevaluate your life and uh, find something important to care about. But there's one thing I do care about, and that's Tom Cruise. So if Tom Cruise was in The Rise of Skywalker, which character would oh, he play? You, I thought you were going to say in the entire trilogy. No. no. I was going to say Broom Kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rise of Skywalker. Who you got, TJ? I don't know. Put him in the resistance group of fighters. Right. Just like throw him in there somewhere. So <laughs> just Give him a cameo. An extra? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Who's Mugga? the guy that takes out Husk? Hux? Hux. Oh, whatever. General Pride. Yeah, General Pride. The, it's him or whatever. Okay. Jason, who you got? Well, Mugga just stole mine. <laughs> so, uh, fuck it. I'm going to say the same thing. General Pride. Yeah. That's what I had too was General yeah. Pride. But you know what? Because we all picked General Pride, I'm going to just say Palpatine. Like, why not have him be, why not have him be Palpatine? One of the Snoke corpses just like hanging out. Yeah, he could, just, he could be in the little, the little tube thingy. Maybe they can digitally put him in all of the places where the Sith people are watching over chanting. Yeah, or, That's a good or he could be, he could be Babu Freak because they're the same size. So. Oh, okay. All right, uh, Justin, who do you got? I would have loved them to confirm the rumor and have him be Carrie uh, Russell's character. Yeah, I was gonna say the Zori, <laughs> Zori Bliss. Yeah, just have her have his face and then have her voice. That's what true. If, what if it's all her and her eyes and everything, but then she takes off the helmet at the end and she is Tom Cruise. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Bling, who you got for Tom Cruise? I was in this movie? Uh, it was Zori Bliss or just a cameo uh, appearance, just kind of like how John Williams was a bartender. Maybe he'd be in like a drunk patron or something. Okay, yeah, I'm done with that. Oh yeah, like if he was the drunk patron that bumped into Ray, like my friend doesn't like you, that'd be funny. Yeah, I mean, or he could be the Wayfinder, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so that's it for our Star Wars retrospective. Hope you enjoyed it. May the force be with you. Yeah. And also with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of $20 Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20ticket at gmail.com. That's 2-0, the numbers, $20ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, and thank you for listening. prequels and they're talking about you can save people from death yeah like midichlorians yeah yeah. i mean the emperor came back somebody hugged him too (laughs) (laughs) why couldn't snoke just be darth plagueis if you just made because we already talked about in episode three darth plagueis was obsessed with creating life now that would have been a villain to bring a full circle big way yeah because you already you killed the emperor so like what bigger bad guy to bring back than the emperor's master that would have been interesting I think we should clarify for the Star Wars fans that Force Healing is just new to the movies. No, TJ. We we don't care what they think. They're not they're not volatile or to toxic at all. We're talking about. Star Wars fans are completely uh, understanding and easy to deal with, especially when you get things wrong. <laughs> Any fan, really. Kylo Ren, he like slumps down and Bay or Bay. That's what, that's what he calls her. Like three no, days you'll go without shitting well, like when we go on vacation wait three days without shitting yes. how we, we were we in Hawaii over? I think all of Maui he's like I haven't taken a shit in Maui I'm like <laughs> we've been here five days TJ <laughs> how do you where do you store all of that 
in the I was crowd. like, I was taking three shits this morning. <laughs> After Star Wars, <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, Return of the Brown Eye. The all anal final chapter. <laughs> <laughs> <The> Phantom Man Ass. <laughs>